All right, welcome everybody to episode 40 of the 40. RF Generation Collector Cast. Bill, 40 episodes. 40. I never thought the episode count would surpass my age. Um, I'll remain silent. Let's just, let's, I'll remain silent. How about that? By a good five and a half years. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Shut up. So some of us are younger, some of us are not as young. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're going to get right into this thing today. Um, unfortunately, I had to say this last time, which kind of sucks, Bill. Yeah. But uh, this time I also have to reiterate that Krabby's not with us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, um, but uh, he's... Sometimes it just takes a little bit of extra time to join the master race, and <laughs> the Trump, the Trumpians <laughs> down here. What? So, the hell? Uh, so Krabby, <laughs> Krabby's in the process of converting his entire physical collection to digital. Oh, um, yes, and he's selling all of his carts. He's selling every single copy of Stadium Events that he owns one at a time, and he's uh, converting to Steam. Uh, so, and he's downloading the emulators. He's going to MAME. Uh, it just takes a long, long time to get that whole thing set up. So, uh, we're, we're happy to have him as soon as he's finished with that whole setup. We're, uh, we're going to pay for that one next yeah. time around. I've got a bad feeling. Um, if he well, ever shows time. up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kidding. Crabby. We love you. Yeah. Right. Oh. But he, he's having some computer problems. So. Uh, evidently it takes a long time to get the sled dogs up there to get new computer parts. So we'll just, uh, we'll have to move on, unfortunately, and hopefully returns next month. Uh, last time around we were able to get a couple spare Canadians rounded up, but this time we had to do with a, uh, New Jersey transplant to Texas. Uh, Sean from the RF Generation Playcast has decided to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's such an honor. Uh, I've been listening to the Collector Cast since episode three. And that's what got me in. It's what got me onto rfgeneration.com. So this is kind of amazing, and it's a real honor that that you guys asked me to be on here. Um, I can remember listening to the collector cuts for the first time and thinking, like, "Oh my god, these guys are talking about collecting video games and like going to garage <laughs> sales and stuff and like doing the things that I'm doing. It's amazing." So now here we are. This is a real honor. So uh, thanks for having me. Well, welcome. Oh, we're glad, yeah, it was we're, very we're glad nice. that you set your bar very low in life. That this is an honor. <laughs> uh, we're we're honored that people take the time out of their day to ever even listen to this this stuff. No, just kidding. Um, no, that's yeah. I remember uh, like you did a video years ago where you were like talking about some things from your collection, and you'd point to one game, and you're like, you know, I got this from Duke Togo, and I was like, that's cool, right? Yeah, I think it was my Final Fantasy NES cart. One of the first trades I did with you, I think. Yeah, it was like way back, and uh, it's a couple years ago, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, you've uh, you now live in the land of Spurs and uh, open carry laws. Is that right? <laughs> That's true. But I live in Austin, so the open carry laws are very controversial, and they're pre- you know pretty much not. Hap- you know, not that they're not happening here, but it's a point of contention for sure. So, but yeah, I live in Austin, Texas now, and I love it. It's amazing here. South by Southwest is going on right now, and it's it's really cool. So, so I have to really ask this question. I mean, you know, can I blame you for both Ted Cruz and Chris Christie? Wow, that's <laughs> that's awful. No, both of those guys are evil disgusting human beings so no please don't 
<laughs> uh, my apologies to any Republican fans that we have. Uh, That's okay, well, Chris. They're gone. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've all unsubscribed instantly. <laughs> But we'll stay out of politics. That's as far as I'm going to go. Uh, I know it's a touchy subject. We're going to get back to the exciting world of video games, <laughs> which we know slightly more about than politics, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully way much more. Oh, man. Hey, I want to point something out. I mean, we always run our little ad for, you know, OTC, our sponsor. But, like, legit, I want to say this. I like the on their Facebook thing, which, you know, every once in a while I'm still on Facebook. They've added this stuff recently where when you like, if you like their page, I'm scrolling down through my feed and they'll show like some things they have for sale. And you can like see and scroll through like on your phone, like several different items and click a button like to shop. So there's kind of like a way to kind of get their merchandise kind of in front of people. And they've put like, you know, good games that are on there. I just thought that was kind of cool. I was like, that's a neat way to kind of show off your stuff to people that maybe not visit your website every single day. So awesome! Uh, yeah, no, prop, we uh, props to we, OTC. No, yeah, we we were. I mean, we're big OTC fans, whether they were a sponsor or not. Like, you know, it was the sponsorship that uh, uh, that kind of had us discover them. But uh, uh, we were all very happy with uh, with OTC, you know, on its own. Yeah, I really hope that uh, Chris from OTC is out at Retro World Expo. I mean, he'll definitely be invited. It's yeah. uh, uh, hopefully. Well, last year I actually saw Chris. I met Chris at Too Many Games um, in uh, June, um, which uh, we will be going to again this year. Um, uh, Retro World Expo will have a booth um, at uh, Too Many Games along with Retroware TV. Um, so hopefully I'll get to see Chris there and uh, uh, you know meet up again, maybe have a, a couple of beers and uh, talk about you know his future with Retro World Expo. I love it. Love it. Good stuff. Um, now, Sean, before we get too far in and people decide that we're idiots and turn the broadcast <laughs> off, I want to give you a chance to plug your stuff. So uh, what do you do, Sean? Sure. So I uh, do a podcast along with fellow RF Generation members, Single Banana, Fleech, and Disposed Hero. It's called the RF Generation Playcast. And if you go to rfgeneration.com in the sub-forum that's called Community Playthroughs, we basically have you know a game of the month club where we pick a game uh, for, for the month, we play it, we have a forum thread where we just talk about it. At the end of the month, we do a podcast, and that's the RF Generation Playcast. Um, it's uh, it's been really picking up steam lately. Actually, we've we've had more and more listens and downloads as time has gone on. And and this month we're doing a game called Life is Strange, and the forum thread is freaking on fire. I know Bill is in there <laughs> playing the game and commenting on the forum. So the you know this is Floyd's game for the month, and he made a really good choice because it's it's just going nuts in there. So. Yeah, check us out on rfgeneration.com and check out the RF Gen Playcast. Uh, now, Bill, you've been on that one? Oh, it's a great show. Um, it's I, I haven't played as many playcasts as I would have liked, uh, just you know, with the craziness of life and holidays and all this crap. But when when I saw Floyd was picking uh, uh, Life is Strange, um, I actually picked the game up on Steam uh, uh, on sale for about half off, like a day or two after I found out about the playthrough. So um, I, I have been in the thread. Um, everyone in the thread seems to be really happy with the discussion in there. This is what they always, you know, what the thread is all about, like to have like a whole bunch of people playing through the same game uh, and just kind of like talking about the different experiences everyone's having. And Life is Strange is a game that lends itself exactly to that uh, type of discussion because it is different depending on how you play it. 
Uh, there's there's lots of different interpretations. Um, I was kind of harsh on the game during the first chapter, and I've now played chapters two and three, and I've really turned around on it. So uh, the the checkpoint for the the you know chapter that I just finished uh, is uh, tomorrow. So I'm able to share my uh, thoughts on the thread tomorrow. But really excited about it, and uh, really looking forward to the next uh, the Life is Strange playcast. Now, Sean, since this will be going out, you know, a little later, what's going to be the uh, the game for April? Uh, the game for April is actually going to be probably our most requested title because we have a thread on the forum for suggestions. Finally, yeah, be- finally, you guys are getting to Dark Souls. <laughs> oh yeah, well, we're going to do a no, combo. No, they said they said requested. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually going to do Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Dark Souls Two, Bloodborne. Um, all in the same month, so I I'm hope in. you can help us out. With it. No, we. Uh, a lot of people have asked for the East games, so we're doing East one and two in April, and it's really cool because there's so many platforms you can play it on, and pretty much everybody who has signed up so far has committed to play it on a different platform. So it's wow. it's going to be really cool. Yeah, that's wise for you, Bill. So. Yeah, you know what? That's <laughs> unwise. <laughs> The first, the first Wise game that I owned was the Master System Wise, which was spelled Wise on the cart. So I get a pass for that. Every other uh, game I will call Ease. Uh, no, that's funny. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, Dark Souls three. I mean, I'm not trying to plug this, and I'll, I'll get off my Dark Souls horse real quick. But I'm saying that comes out next month, so I'm at least going to try to get some time in with the Turbo version. I want to at least give it a little bit of a kick around in the beginning part of April. So I'll be kind of curious to see what everybody thinks of it. I've played the first one before. Um, I don't think I've ever played the second one, so it should be interesting. Yeah, I've Is never even book one. Them, oh, sorry. So. No, I was just going to say, I've never even touched the, the franchise at all. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to hear your commentary on the thread, Chris. Do you like ramming your guy into monsters? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, then you've got it. You're good. Don't worry. So can I ask, is Ease Book 1 the Master System game? Yeah, it's Ease 1. Yeah, Ease Book 1 and 2, I think, is just Ease 1 and 2. Okay. On Turbo. Excellent. Um, and then... Yeah, like so there's been a ton of compilations. It's on a million different platforms. I'm sure it's on PC everywhere, and I'm sure you can get it like everything just about these days. Um, I mean, there's even like a Famicom version of those games. I mean, you know, anything you'd ever want, really. Cool. Pick your, no, pick yeah, poison. It just yeah, I just uh, no, shot you. You're both right. I just uh, looked up Ease on uh, Steam, and uh, here it is, uh, fifteen bucks for one and two. Nihon Falcom. Yeah, it's a. Uh, a lot of a lot of cool stuff. Um, very traditional. I'll be curious to see what everybody else thinks. People that have not not as old as I am and mature <laughs> that say, "Wow, this is kind of antiquated." I want to see if everybody's like, "Yeah, but I get it," or like, "No, this is just old and weird." Well, you got to remember, <laughs> we played the first uh, Fantasy Star game last year, so we went. We've been through some kind of old and antiquated games, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens yeah. with this one. Yeah. Fantasy Star is a little <laughs> little more advanced than Ease, but we'll okay, see. Okay, cool. We'll cool. see. I'm looking forward to it, man. All right, good deal.
Hey everybody, you know all about our sponsor, Off the Charts Video Games. We talk about them all the time. Um, you can find them at otcvideogames.com or otcvideogames on social media like Twitter, Facebook. I really encourage you to follow them so you can get an update on all their products. Remember that you can always use our discount code COLLECTORCAST to save 5% on your purchases. But I want to tell you about a couple new things that are going on with OTC Video Games. As usual, you can still buy the great products that they've been selling, so used games, individual boxes, manuals. You see pictures of the actual items that you're buying, not just some generic stock photos. Buying from them, if you buy over $50 worth of product in the U.S., they're going to give you free shipping. Um, they also buy used games and consoles. You can get with them. You can turn that into store credit or cash. Um, if you sell them more than $100 worth of items, they're going to give you free shipping of the stuff to their store. So it's a great deal. Uh, they've opened a brand new store in the Culpsville, Pennsylvania area. So if you're out that direction, I really encourage you to stop by their store, take a look, tell them that the guys from the Collector Cast sent you over. I also want to mention something new. They're, they've got a nice new clothing line that's available through their website, so kind of cool video game-related apparel. And the big thing is their, their new reward system. So the rewards are really pretty cool. You can earn these um, doing a variety of things for store credit. One big thing you can do is you can refer your friends. Uh, there's no purchase required to sign up to get an account. So you can sign up for account just for signing up. You're going to get some points. Um, you can accrue those points towards your credit. And if you make a referral, your friend will get 5% off their first purchase, and you're going to get 500 points, which is redeemable for $5 in that store credit. So again, keep that in mind. No purchase necessary. Refer your friends. It's going to help you get some free store credit. So again, just a quick reminder, you can find them at otcvideogames.com or on social media, OTC Video Games, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. These guys do great work. I really recommend that you check them out. And don't forget our coupon code COLLECTORCAST. Well, we're going to get right into the question segment because, man, you guys have done a fantastic job out there. I, I literally, like two days ago, before we're getting ready to record, put out a thing like, I just thought we'd get a couple quick questions. Because usually I try to do a little more ahead of time, give time for this. But I thought, we've got a lot to talk about during this episode, so maybe I'll just kick it out there. and Maybe we'll get a few. But everybody blew us up with listener questions. But we love it. So we're going to, we're going to tackle these. We've got quite a few. So uh, this time around, we're going to start with Facebook. And our old friend, Rusty Mann, has sent us two questions. So I'm going to start with the first one. Um, and this is a good question because I'm a little more recent here, too. So I mean, I'm going to make my suggestions, but I'm going to be curious if somebody else has some others to put in here. But Russ says, I just got a PS4 system. And he did, like, literally a few days ago, sent me a friend request. Just got it. What are some awesome games I should check out? So, uh, Sean, do you have a PlayStation 4? No, I don't have a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One yet. I have not I have not jumped into the eighth generation. But I'm just going to say real quick, get Metal Gear Solid 5, and I know it's good. I played it on the PS3, but I'm sure it's even better on the PS4. So get Metal Gear Solid 5. That's my answer. Cool. 
Bill, I know you borrowed a PS4 for a while. I did. I borrowed a second. P- My friends uh, have two PS4s, uh, so I borrowed one of them for a little while. Um, I'm going to uh, give a, a single game, and uh, just because he just got a PS4, I'm going to get one that you can't get anywhere else. And Chris won't be able to use it as his answer. Russ, you got to go get Bloodborne. <laughs> Uh, that's true. If you're, you if, do if, need you're, it. if you're looking you for do. a PS4 game, you can't get it anywhere else, and you want a great game, Bloodborne. Go do it. I wholeheartedly agree. Bloodborne is fantastic and exclusive. Mm. Um, I think before Russ had a Wii U, but I don't think that I think this is his. He doesn't have an Xbox One, so um, I might. I also suggest maybe uh, Dark Souls Two: Scholar of the First Sin, uh, which was um, uh, kind of a perfected version of Dark Souls 2 with all the DLC content, redone graphics that came out on the new systems. But uh, outside of that, there's like a lot of good little um, like indie titles that are out there on PS4, also on Xbox One. And I know like these flash sales are great. Like the other day they had the new Strider game for like a few dollars. Yeah, uh, there's, on a flash there's, sale. There's a, I don't know if it'll still be on by the time the show goes out. There's a big PSN flash sale right now. The only two that I'm considering grabbing uh, Mega Man X4 and X5 are both $1.50 right now. Yeah. Uh, Sean, you ever grab in on any of those? Or are you like, nah, just keep the buying the discs? Just as far as PlayStation Store flash sales? Yeah. Oh, all the time. I, I yeah. actually I got Vib Ribbon a couple weeks ago for like $1.50. Mm-hmm. I got Jumping Flash for real cheap. I got uh, The Misadventures of Tron Bond was on sale bon. when it first launched and I mean, man, you're not going to play those games anywhere else. I mean, how many people have a copy of Tron Bon? Like, of course I'm going to download that for five bucks or whatever it is. These are like my people here. (laughs) (laughs) See what I'm doing with all the time? These guys, there's no plastic attached to this game. What am I going to pay a dollar for it? Uh, I, I'm down when the when the price is right, but uh, you know uh, we've got some other questions that are going to lean into this right up next. So mm-hmm. let's roll into Russ. Uh, he gave us another question that kind of bounces right off. It's a good segue. What are your thoughts on digital games that are over twenty dollars? He says I'm having a hard time spending that much, and I don't get a case and a manual with that. There are a ton of great games. Uh, I found, but I'm not sure about spending so much money on a game that I don't have a physical copy of. What if something happens down the road and I lose them? You know, obviously, you know, uh, services shut down after a while. And he says, hashtag new gen problems. So I'd love uh, to tackle this. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so, Bill, let me let me start with you this time around. Sure. So, uh, you know, hey, digital games over 20 bucks. Problem? Uh, I bought I've bought more digital games over twenty dollars in the past uh, year than uh, a lot of people I know have ever. Um, I, I from Chris's influence, I do the Bing Rewards program. Oh yeah. Um, and I just I mean I just use I just do web searches and I don't try I don't have to you know try to go farm points or anything. I just use Bing as my default web page and every once in a while, up oh, you have enough for a five dollar Xbox gift card. So it's just like free money, and. Uh, uh, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's free money. So when you have that much money just sitting around in your, in your, you know, uh, console wallet and then a game comes up and you're like, well, you know, maybe I will buy this game. So, uh, I own Fallout 4 digitally. I own, uh, Far Cry 3 digitally. Uh, XCOM 2. I mean, 
you can't talk to a Steam person, you know, and I wonder if Steam kind of conditioned me for this uh, kind of thing because I am so used to, you know, buying uh, digital games. And I know everyone says that, like they're so afraid of losing it. You're more likely to lose access to a physical game than you are to a uh, a digital game. Uh, It's, I mean, I know everyone says, oh, what happens in a thousand years when the servers are down? Well, I mean, I can't think of a single time I've paid for a digital game in the past, you know, 15 years of buying digital games that I can't access that game anymore. So, uh, Russ, uh, just, uh, just don't think about it. Be about it. Just do it. Drop those bones. <laughs> Sean, are you on the same page? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there's this weird mentality amongst collectors that you don't want to pay money for something that isn't physical that you can't like hold and put on a shelf. And even Russ said like having a case and a manual, but that's just that's just this weird collector mentality that we've we've kind of found ourselves in. And I I think I would pay more. I've I just paid more than twenty dollars to go to a, a dinner and a movie. And it was an amazing experience, and I didn't have anything to put on my shelf when I was done with it, but I still saw the movie, I experienced it, I ate the food, it's gone, you know what I mean? Like, And I would say, just like... Well, you could, you could technically keep it if you want to. <laughs> but like, the, the answer to this question is the same as the answer to my first question, which is, for example, Metal, Metal Gear Solid Five. I wanted it on launch day and I didn't feel like driving to GameStop, so I just downloaded it. I paid $50 for it and I don't regret it for a second. I spent like 150 hours playing this game and I still love it and it's still on my hard drive and I'm I'm with Bill. Like I'm not worried about these games like disappearing or this I mean servers go down on games, but they go down on disk-based games too. So that's that's not unique to downloadable games. So I don't know. I'm I'm all for it. I, I debate with Rich Single Banana. I debate him on this all the time. It's really fun. Like I say, <laughs> download stuff, collect stuff. It's all good. So long as you're playing the games, we're gamers here, aren't we? Yeah. And actually, the Playcast uh, Facebook page just today actually um, po- uh, uh, shared a very interesting article about emulation. And about how many collectors feel like emulation is a dirty word and it's, oh, that's not collecting. And this, this article, uh, the uh, president of a company that uh, ports games, Digital Eclipse, who actually I'm playing the port of Castlevania Symphony of Night on the Xbox uh, One right now, which is actually just like an emulation of the Xbox 360, which is emulating the PlayStation 1 version of it. So it's like there's this weird disconnect between like, no, emulators are bad. You're playing an emulator like all the time. You're, you're playing something that's emulating something else. Like, what does it matter? We're still playing games. So right. it's, right. it's, yeah, it, it doesn't bug me one little bit. Not, I'd actually, I'd love to have fewer things in my house because every time I move, it is just a monstrous pain. My man, I am 100% with you having just moved. Uh, <laughs> again, I, I moved twice in, in a, a year. Like a year ago, I moved to Texas, and just now I moved to a different place in Austin. And both times I said, gosh darn it, I have more video games than I have like boxes for the kitchen and living room combined. And it's right. like, I can't live like this, you know? So, Chris, you're outnumbered. I think you guys are speaking some kind of weird alien language. I really have no idea. Yeah, get, yeah, we're speaking less, XCOM. Less stuff. I don't really what are you talking about. Uh, let me defend the collectors out there. We're not evil people. I've got digital games. Um, but 
like Russ, I hesitate when the price is to a certain point. Um, when I or when I know there's a physical copy out there, as opposed to buying it digitally, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy a physical copy. Um, that's what I want. I like mm-hmm. having it on the shelf. I like touching the thing. I like it coming in the mail and me getting to open it and unwrap it and stick the disc in. All fair um, points. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, totally. Know, am I going to sit and bash and condemn somebody else that wants to do it digitally? No. I play your games however you want. That's fine. I like having the thing. It's cool. Because I, to me, it's seeing it on the shelf and picking it up is kind of also the memories of that experience. Right. And um, sometimes you'll do that. You'll just walk by and you'll see it on a shelf and you'll go, oh, yeah. Or you'll just pick it back up off the shelf again. You'll put it back in for a minute just to kind of like, okay, I just want to spend a few minutes with this again and uh, sure. to get the feel for it. So. Uh, like Bill, I do the Bing Rewards thing, but instead of taking the Xbox points here lately, what I've done is just convert those into Amazon gift cards, and I buy my games from Amazon. So, cool. But when there's great digital-only games, I'll, I'll, I still get them. So, right. I mean, I'm not, so, so, I'm not some kind of purist. Re- real quick follow-up, and I know we have a lot of questions to get through. Um, uh, the Mega Man uh, Legacy uh, Collection. Yeah. What, I waited now, like six months to get a disc for that. But 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 here's the thing: if they were, if the digital version and the physical version were the same price, no brainer. Physical version, twice the price of the digital. I mean, I know everyone still buys it because you want a physical copy. But does it bother you at all that you're getting gouged for twice as much for the physical? Let me let me counterpoint that. All right. So now. Amazon started a deal where you get twenty percent off if you pre-order, right? And with buy the, a new game. Uh, uh, their new uh, uh, for Prime members, correct? Exactly. Right. And when I got the Mega Man Legacy Collection thing, I got a nice case with beautiful artwork, a really nice disc inside. Plus, mm-hmm. they have a nice, cool little laminated card that shows you for every game, every boss, and what their weakness is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, there's so also like some little. There's some little tchotchkes that are inside there, too. Some little, like, freebies, like, feely kind of things that they've got in there. So it's not just I got the data on a disc as opposed right. to I got the data from a download. I feel like I got something for my money. So, would yeah, you rather, did I spend, would you, would you rather well, did I spend $6 more? Yeah, I got, like, $6. I paid $6 more. Am I okay with that? Absolutely. And... Don't get me started on the digital cheaper thing because most of the time that's false. Most of the time, physical is cheaper. Well, I'm not talking about consoles. most of the time. I'm just talking about Mega Man Legacy Collection, 15 okay. or 30. Okay, I'm just saying most of the time if I want to go out and either buy a game digitally on Xbox or PlayStation, a new game that came out, or buy a physical copy, I'm going to save money by buying a physical copy. Totally true, it's true on that- the console marketplace. Right, because the physical releases will drop in price almost instantly. Right, right. Like, digital... like like Borderlands. Yeah, like Borderlands on the Xbox 360 on the digital marketplace, like twenty nine ninety nine. It's a three dollar yeah. game at GameStop. Yeah, if for right. a console marketplace, you're usually right. Well, and as if you're trying to talk about the PC marketplace, there is no argument. They don't make physical games. You, you have can't. no choice. You can't. How can you compete with the digital marketplace? You can't. It's easy. I just don't buy them. Yeah. <laughs> that's not competing <laughs> yeah it is because the consoles are winning my business that is competing that's an advantage I see with consoles over a PC I still get the thing I like and you know I get it some people are like you know I just want to play the game again I'm not trying to bash that I'm just talking about what I prefer 
Cool. So I can identify with where you're coming from, Russ, and I also totally get the other side as well. My thing is play games, have fun, enjoy them in whatever format yeah. so, you like. Russ, we have no answer for you. Go figure it out. You can agree with either <laughs> side and be happy, as I think the answer. Uh, what I do have a little issue with, just as a side note, Uh-oh. like that, um, like now indie title, like whatever that last indie title came out was like $40 and it's digital only. Eeeh. I don't know uh, how I feel yeah. about that. I'm getting a little fed up with indie in general. Yeah, that's an overused term. I, w- I wish they were still their own little indie marketplace when you went to like the online game stores. It's like now they're like, no, 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 now they're mixed in with everything because all games are equal. It's like, no, like what if I'm not looking for indie games? Like I can't, fil- <laughs> I can't filter them out now. Like just nope. show me non-indie games. Yeah, commercial releases only, please. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on. The next question from Facebook comes from Thomas Blaine. He says, I've listened to every episode. So he's got two up on Sean. Uh, (laughs) And I'm sure this has been covered. (laughs) But what's your biggest gaming regrets? And he says, also, how well do you think the virtual reality hits it? So let's just stop it there. Let's come to to VR in a minute. So biggest gaming regrets. Sean, I'm going to start with you. So, first of all, I just want to say, as soon as I heard episode three, I went back and listened to episode one and two, just to be oh, clear. Let me, let me apologize for yeah. episode, like, one. It's pretty terrible. You mean, are you, do you mean Phantom Menace or the Collector Cast? Oh, oh yeah, that one's pretty, pretty bad, too. Hmm. Um, so, that was your biggest regret, was listening to episode one? Was it? <laughs> I shouldn't have gone back. <laughs> so... Honestly, I don't have a good answer for this question because I think when somebody asks what are your biggest gaming regrets, it's maybe not, it's having not played a certain game and we all have a million of those and you can always just go ahead and play those games. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, Mm -hmm. like I've never played Final Fantasy VII and I have some friends who want to kill me for that, but it's like, well, I don't regret that because I can always just go and play Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So maybe... Not being in the zeitgeist of Final Fantasy VII when it was out and when it was big and when all, when I was a teenager and all my friends were into it, I I don't know maybe regret that a little bit, but not like I don't I don't know I don't I don't have a really good answer for this question. To be have you con- ever have you ever sold something that you were like, dang it, I shouldn't have sold that or something? Or? No, I've thought about I thought about that too, like approaching the question from that angle. And every time I have seller's remorse about something. I usually imagine myself having that item in my hands again, and most of the time, I think I would probably just sell it again. I, <laughs> I didn't. That's fine. Like I, I, yeah. I it, I'm sure it's happened before, but nothing really comes to mind, to be honest. Okay. All right, Bill. Very cool. Uh, first of all, was Thomas Blaine the name of the bad guy in Passenger Fifty Seven? I didn't watch Passenger. How about Snakes on a Plane? No, <laughs> but no, I'm pretty sure it was someone, someone, uh, someone verify that for me. Was that uh, Wesley Snipes? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, this, was it was one of my, it was ago. one of those rando like uh, VHS tapes that I like, you know, when you have like four movies, you see them all like 30 times and like passenger 57 was one of them. Uh, so biggest game regret, uh, mine's short and easy. Uh, I regret not keeping, um, anything from when I was a kid. Uh, uh, Chris uh, talks about like having like, you know, like stuff, like the stuff that he had that was like original and, and stuff like that. So, um, my parents got us the deluxe, uh, NES set. And I wish that I just still had that deluxe NES set. Um, other than that, I, I'm, I'm very similar to Sean. I don't really have any, any regrets. 
um, as far as like, you know, like selling stuff, playing stuff, not playing stuff. I've tried playing a lot of the things that people are like, oh, you should totally play this. And more often than not, I'm like, I'm cool that you're cool with it. It's just not for me, you know, and I'm, you know, so yeah, I, I do kind of wish that I had, you know, at least some of these stuff when I was a kid, especially the deluxe NES. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, for me, I think it's kind of similar lines. I just one that's in my mind strictly from stuff I've been messing around here lately. But um, lately, I've been playing around a lot with Commodore 64. And mm. I mean, I had a Commodore 64 as a kid, but my the computer didn't last long. It, um, it got fried, and I couldn't use it. So, I mean, I probably had it where it's functional for not even a year when I was a kid. And I kind of, and I had like the disk drive and some games and I really kind of regret that I didn't pursue it. Like I didn't ask for another Commodore 64 for that next Christmas so I could keep playing the games and expanding on it because I'm finding that there's a lot of cool stuff that's there. And I kind of like, I, I missed out, you know? Um, Mm. And I remember I had a lot of friends that had them back then, and you know you would copy discs and swap games, and, and I couldn't do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, just having this is something that's on my mind right now. I'm thinking, you know, I could I, again, I could definitely go and play them now. But again, being in that time, um, you know, I think I've maybe missed out on a few good memories. So maybe that one's what comes to mind right now. Cool. Let's dig into this mess. Oh, boy. Uh, also, how well do you think the virtual reality headsets are going to do at the current price points now? So maybe we should mention price points for a minute. They're all um, Yeah. So I think the first one announced was, what, the Rift? And wasn't that, isn't it like $600? Uh, yeah, the Oculus is like six or $700. Um, the HTC one is about the same the recently announced PlayStation one that they originally said was 400. They then said, okay, that's without the required camera and like the move controllers. So it's actually, uh, uh, 500. I mean, they're, they're all lots of money and I'm, you know, they're all great experiences. Um, I try, I've tried the Oculus. It was pretty cool. Um, it's, I mean, at that price point, there's no way you're not a niche market. Yeah. Sean, you have any thoughts on VR? I on it. I I'm one of those people. I cannot wait to try this. I I have never tried the new school VR, the Oculus or the PlayStation Morpheus or whatever they're calling it now. But I want to so bad. I'm so excited mm. to try them. Have you guys seen? I don't know if you've seen the the video of Danny O'Dwyer from Gamespot. The first time he was playing, I think it was an Oculus demo kit. And just the the bliss and wonder and like glee he was like clearly experiencing just trying this thing for the first time. I, huh. I want that, so I can't wait until I have a, a VR headset in my home. And it's probably going to be the PS4 one when whenever I get a PS4 and whenever I get whatever the Morpheus is called now. But I I can't wait. I think it's going to be amazing. Like I'm into so- it. So is yeah, this PlayStation VR I think is what they've gone with. Okay. Uh, so you're you're cool with blowing another five hundred bucks to get in on this thing. I might wait. I mean, I might wait for a drop. You never know. Like it only takes you know the Christmas season to cause a, a price drop, or you know after that it, it might not be this year. It might not be. I, I'm not going to be an early adopter. Let's say that I, I almost okay. never am. But once there's a bunch of games out for it, once it's been proven out that. You know, there's there's no kind of problems with it or, you know, usually when they come out with the version 2.0, like I've never bought a new console uh, 
the the recent consoles like i have a ps3 slim i have an xbox 360 slim like i'm gonna wait until they re-engineer it for the second iteration probably but i'm uh, that i mean i'm so stoked about it i like i want to try <laughs> it like i can't wait All right so so remember what the question was the question was how well do you think they're going to do at the current price point so i think that his question is are is there any way they can be smashingly successful asking for five six seven eight hundred dollars a headset I'm, I'm totally with you sean it's a really cool thing i'm glad i had the experience no way i think this is a runaway uh smash success at you know the price points that they're talking about yeah no you're probably right and i'm, I'm thinking of like the connect when it first came out the playstation move like the, these kind right. of i'm thinking, right. I'm thinking like, virtual boy like, <laughs> right on. I, I, like, I'm 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 imagining someone on the radio because there weren't podcasts on the radio saying, "You guys, I was at Nobody Beats <laughs> the Wiz last week, and you should have seen this thing. It was called the Virtual Boy. There was a line out the door to play it, so I couldn't play it. Everyone looked so happy playing this Virtual Boy. <laughs> I, I, like, no, I know nobody ever said four hundred dollars. Yeah, that's true. It's a bit of a stretch, but but yeah, like it's. I know obviously this is way like compared to the technology that's available outside of like a virtual uh, reality system. These are way more impressive, but but yeah, I just uh, I don't think these are going to like die and go away like Virtual Boy did. I think VR is going to be here, you know, for the long haul. I just don't think this is the generation of VR that that takes off. Yeah, having being a person that's was around for VR round one. I actually played one of those old nineties Dactyl Nightmare virtual reality machines. Nice back in the day. Um, I, you know, again, at the price point it's at, uh, and with how clunky they are, uh, and how insulating they are from everything else around you, mm-hmm. I just, I don't see it. I just, but, but Chris, but Chris, you get a physical headset. <laughs> I, I get that right there might yeah. be a manual if there's not i'm sure you can download the pdf and print it out no you can just you can read the virtual pdf inside <laughs> oh, yeah. virtual reality it'll be like a star wars uh, crawl <laughs> telling you how to <laughs> use the thing <laughs> that would yeah, be awesome i i just i don't know who this is for mm. i mean uh, all Sean. the press coverage that i've read about it is glowing but of course those people get free vr kits they don't have to pay $600 plus a PC or whatever. The average person would have to, like, for an Oculus Rift, they would have to go buy, like, a $2,000 computer and a $600 headset to even do anything with this. And to me, that's – because, Bill, you've got a nice PC. I, do this for me. I This is a curiosity. Maybe for the next show we can talk about this. Oculus has this little software that you can download and put on your computer to kind of tell you, like, if it's up to snuff to mm-hmm. run VR. Um, I'd be curious to hear what your machine, which is just a couple years old, right? With, but you have two, like, graphics cards. It's not bad, right? Yeah, it's it's a, it's an i7. Uh, so it's a quad-core uh, i7 chip, the 980. It's uh, uh, two GeForce uh, 670s. Um, so it's not cutting edge, but it's no slouch. Um, it's played everything I've ever thrown at it. 
uh, at all the highest settings um, with no problems, um, partially because I'm running like a 1920 by 1080 monitor. A lot of people who run like those like crazy huge like 30, 34 inch monitors that are like, you know, 3000 by 2000, it couldn't do anything like that. But uh, yeah, I could throw the software on here just, you know, as we're talking and let you know what the uh, results are in a little bit. Yeah, I want to know if it's going to say, Bill, if you want to do VR, guess what? Go buy a new high-end PC. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to say, no, you just have to invest this crazy amount of money. In that case, I say, all right, PlayStation VR is the most attractive because a lot of people already have PlayStation 4s and it's only an extra 500 bucks. And maybe you already have that camera and some move controllers sitting around, so it's only 400. (laughs) Maybe. silly. (laughs) Maybe. You're those three people. Yeah, you you could um, be that guy. So I you know I'd say out of all of them, does that have the highest? I guess in my head it has the highest chances, but I look at every other console add-on ever, and they're all flopped. <laughs> so yeah, it's like it's like Microsoft talking about like oh there could be like you know iterations of uh, of uh, you know like Xbox consoles. Like, I'm oh, like yeah. uh, oh, you yeah. really want to split your segment? Yeah, but forward oh, compatibility. I love that term forward compatibility. <laughs> like, right. No. Oh, gosh. All right, we're rambling a little bit. Let's bring it back to some questions. Uh, r- real uh, quick, I just downloaded yeah. the Oculus tool, yes. and my PC fails. <laughs> Is it? Does it say, like, fails hard or just fail? Graphics card. Your NVIDIA GeForce GTX 670 graphics card does not meet recommended specification, which is NVIDIA GTX 970. A GTX 970 is probably like 350 to 450, depending on the version of it. Um, memory. I have six gigs of memory, and it's always been fine. I know I'm a, I'm, I know I'm a little light on memory. Um, they say you, you need at least eight. My quad-core Intel i7 processor at 3.2 gigahertz does not meet our recommended <laughs> specification, which is an Intel i5 or greater. <laughs> Your i7 is not fast enough. Go get an i5. Oh, so, so there we go, Bill. So if you want VR, go spend $3,000. Or well, just get the PlayStation VR and spend a thousand dollars. Or go to Sean's house. <laughs> yeah, come on which over. Is, which which is what I will like. That's going to be my my you know like want to play VR. Like I'll do the demo in the store, or I'll go to someone's house who's got it. That's personally. I will never do a store demo because man, what kind of crazy eye infections are going to be living on that thing? No, you, you can got, bring, you just bring guy uh, on jam. bring an alcohol swab with you. Yeah. Yeah, let me go into Walmart. Do you mind if I swab this thing? Wait, you wouldn't I... do that? Just bring like one of those uh, lens oh, cleaners God, that has like no. alcohol in it and just no. wipe it. Dude, I wouldn't be. I'm. I'm doing that. I wouldn't no. be embarrassed. Come on, you can do it. No, no. A person that I knew, <laughs> sure. Because you'd be like, hey, do mind? I'm just gonna wipe this off. In fact, if it was mine, I would wipe it off for my friend before I gave it to them. Right? Mm. It's just a convenience. A store where there's been a billion people strapping that to their head, no. It's, it's like it's it's like the the what do you call it like the Doctor Scholl's station where you can like test your feet. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you don't walk do up to that. it and you're like like I walked up to it and there was no one there and I'm like oh I'll totally do this and I did it <laughs> and then like I like walked around the corner and then I looked back and I saw the specimen that was standing on there with their socks on and I was like give me out give me out give me out give me out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a germaphobe, but man, there's some lines you don't cross. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. All right. Um, let's move to something a little different, but still controversial. Yeah. Speaking of Canadians. Uh, our own uh, engineer, Mike, he yeah. asks, 
what are the host's thoughts on the Coleco pulling out of the retro VGS slash Coleco Chameleon? Mm. Oh, Lord. Um, I'm going to defer to Chris on this. Uh, I'd never really followed the story very closely, having read the article on in Polygon reporting. I mean, everyone reported on it, but I read the Polygon article kind of going through, like, you know, kind of the, the sequence of events and the things that were done and the things that were said. Um, I don't think it was ever malicious. I think it was just, like, you know, poor planning and, like, you know, lack of understanding on what it would take to do this. But again... I didn't follow a lot of it, so um, I'll defer to Chris on the, the details. Yeah, Bill, I'm going to say the same thing. I just kind of have a cursory knowledge of what has gone on, and I'm by no means an expert. I'm, I'm like, really ignorant of all the, the goings-on here, so I'm also going to punt here. Um, I followed this um, fairly closely, mm. and uh, my thoughts on Coleco pulling out is they – certainly made the right decision um (laughs) you can't as a legitimate company even if they're just an ip holder of the coleco brand name you just can't mess with any of this um i've met mike kennedy you know kind of the person that spearheaded this uh all i can say is that the one time i met him um he seemed like a very likable fellow uh met him and his wife and uh, had dinner with them, and I, I, I enjoyed their company. I've never had any sort of uh, business interaction with them, so I can't speak to anything like that. Um, so I don't know which way it is. Um, I, I hope that Mike simply made some mistakes and uh, was duped. That's my hope. Um, uh, I, unfortunately, I'm afraid this is probably going to ruin his online reputation probably forever uh and he had a couple of other business ventures you know he's in charge of um his company makes the retro magazine and he also um runs he owns game gavel so you know he's done some things and he's been involved in some stuff in in the community so again i'm i'm gonna hope for the best until i know otherwise and i don't know if those facts will ever come out um I'm going to hope that Mike was just maybe led astray by some people on this team. Uh, and I, I hope the project is dead. Uh, I think it's just it needs to probably go away for everyone's benefits. Just a lot of, a lot of bad blood for people. Um, I, and some of that I have to say, too. I mean, there's a lot of people raging on the Internet about this. Like, oh, they tried to it was fraud. And, and I'm like, well, you didn't give them any money. So, I mean, he didn't really rip you off. If anything, if he had investors into his company, they're the ones that got ripped off. But the general public at large, I mean, you didn't pay for anything. You didn't miss anything. You just watched a fiasco unfold. So, you know, just go, God, that sucks, and move on. I don't I don't know what else to say. So that's my little spiel about the Retro VGS. I, wor- I hope everyone involved, especially Mike, seemed like a very nice guy. I hope he lands on his feet. Uh, I wish the best for him and his wife, uh, regardless of of what happened. Uh, Moving on, uh, another one from Engineer Mike. He says, with all the different TV, movie, comic book, etc. properties being made into games, is there something you guys would like to see made into uh, or remade? And uh, he says, I would like to see a new Flash or Daredevil game. I can see that, because Flash and Daredevil are both kind of big on TV right now, right? They made a Flash yeah. game. It was called Sonic R for the <laughs> Sega Saturn. Well, he did say remake. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, 
Somebody can Does do that. He just, just wants to. He just wants to see more games built into web oh, browsers. Goodness gracious! Probably nobody. Nobody oh, wants that. Flash games. <laughs> I get it. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants that. But um. <laughs> so, uh, Bill, I'm going to kick this one off to you first because uh, you're a comic. You like comic yeah. books. I do. Yeah. No, I got a couple. I mean, like I'm a big Batman guy. Obviously, Batman's been done and done and done and redone. Um, there's another story that I would sorry, another comic that I just recently started reading that is was introduced to me by a friend uh, that apparently has been mega popular for the last year or two, but I had never heard of it. It's called Saga. Um, either one of you guys ever hear of Saga? No. No, sir. Uh, Saga uh, Saga's fantastic. Uh, uh, it is. I, I really don't know how they would make it into a, uh, uh, you know, a, a TV show or a movie, just like the style uh, of the show and like, you know, the way the story progresses. I just don't see how you would do it. Um, in a nutshell, it is a two warring. It's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet type, like meet Star Wars. So it's like these two warring um, races, uh, like uh, this guy who was like taken prisoner and this woman who was like the guard, like, you know, who wasn't supposed to let him get out when the story starts, they have fallen in love and are having a baby. And now they are on the run from like both of their, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh kind of like home people. Um, it's, I won't spoil anything else. It's really, really, really good. Um, the deluxe edition of the first 36 issues in hardcover is available for like $35 on Amazon. It's fantastic. Um, I'd be curious to see how somebody would do it. Um, uh, but yeah, Saga is really, really good. And the other thing that I've been waiting to make into a series forever, um, I know it's not, you know, comic related or anything, uh, but it's the Dark Tower, the Stephen King novels. Um, it looks like those are finally getting, uh, uh, getting released. And they actually did make a graphic novel version of a Dark Tower. It's actually pretty good. Uh, so yeah, I, I could keep going, but I'll just go with those, uh, Saga and the Dark Tower. I'm kind of curious then, how would you take something like a Stephen King novel and make that into a game? Do you think that's like a telltale kind of thing or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually probably a really good, really good point is, um, the way tell, like, and it's weird how those games have taken on the persona of like a telltale game. Cause, uh, Life is Strange has many similarities to that, uh, type of, uh, game with like, you know, choice and consequence and branching stories and, uh, more like more experiential than actual game. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, if you, if you try to take a Steve, like, it's more likely you would take a Stephen King idea or like a world and say, okay, like, here's the world. Here's how everything is. Insert someone into it. Give them like a, or like a side story. Like remember enter the matrix. It wasn't specifically like about anything that happened in the matrix. It was like, you know, a story in the same world. So, um, and there's a billion, you know, different cool worlds that he's got. Uh, uh, the dark tower probably be the most, uh, uh, the most accessible. You'd end up with like a red dead redemption, uh, sci-fi type, uh, type game, which is fine with me. Cool, cool. Shaw? So I'm going to cheat a little bit. And he did say in the question, TV slash movie slash comic book. So sure. I'm going <laughs> to cheat a little and pick two games that are actually already made. They just haven't been localized. So there are two games that are actually based on anime that I am a huge fan of, as well as my wife. And the first one is uh, an anime called Psychopaths which uh, recently there was a movie in theaters about it and, and my wife went and, my wife and I went and saw it and it was amazing. It's our favorite anime and there was an Xbox One game made for that but it was only released in the Asian regions. And the other one is Death Note which is probably a more well-known anime 
That's from a, a few years back. That was another one that we watched. That was just, it's incredible. It's, it's one of my favorite anime. And, um, there was actually, I believe more than one game based on that franchise for the Nintendo DS. And despite the fact that it's been around for a while, there are no fan translations, which is kind of crazy to me. So I would love to see either one of those games, uh, get localized into English. I would, I would love to play either one of them. Hmm. Oh. It's interesting. Um, I thought about this one for a while, and I don't think I came up with any really good examples. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not a big TV movie person. I mean, I watch some, but uh, I really don't spend a lot of time uh, doing that sort of stuff. Uh, and I don't read a lot of comic books. Um, I guess I'd just say I would like to play a good Superman game. <laughs> so yeah. if somebody could give me a good Superman game. And I think the tough part would be I think you'd have to – um, make it less actiony and maybe more story driven because I mean, Superman Telltale presents Superman. Well, I mean, you know, I would like to see something honestly that dealt more with like the internal struggles that I would think a character like Superman would go through because imagine how isolating that would be, you know, um, where there was no one like you and, um, everyone expected everything from you. Um, I think it could do a lot of interesting things with that. But yeah, I think that's where I would go with that. I mean, I could think of some other TV shows that I mean, possibly could make some good games. Um, like, uh, why on earth would I not like a a, a Knight Rider game? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been, you know, 30 years. But I'll, I'll take a Knight Rider game. That'd be cool. Uh, okay, so we're going to move over here to Twitter for a moment. Um, and our first question comes from at video game porn, which it's, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good username. He says, "What's a game that you know is horrible, but you still love to play?" John, you had a game that you know is just really terrible, but you play it anyway. Yeah, it's not a game that I still play, but when I played through it, I really liked it. It's this game called Last Rebellion for the PS3. And it's a Japanese RPG that it was originally slated for development for the PSP, and it ended up being a PS3 game somehow. Huh. <laughs> and it is one of the most hated games on the PS3 uh, amongst people who play Japanese RPGs. And I, you know, the characters are kind of snotty and unlikable. The game is only like 10 hours long. And the battle system is this weird thing where you attack the enemy's. Uh, body parts but you have to attack them in a certain order but the thing is they're not randomized so you can just read a walkthrough and <laughs> you see like you know ogre number two okay here's his you got to do legs arms head you know in that order and you can just <laughs> like play flawlessly through every encounter so that's what i did and i i really enjoyed the game like i just kind of breezed through the game cheated my way through it and I liked it. I, I still have it on my shelf. Maybe someday I'll play through it again. But, you know, that's a game that I know is bad. I can tell you graphically, <laughs> gameplay-wise, like character, voice acting, like there's everything is wrong with this game. But I loved it. All right. All right. Uh, Bill, you got a, a, a baddie but goodie? I mean, like, it's different than Guilty Pleasure because Guilty Pleasure is like, okay, I like this. Shut up. So this is, you know, it's horrible <laughs> yeah. and you, and you love to play it. Like, like, you know how like some people, like they like to watch train wreck movies. <laughs> like it's fun. Like, you know, like mystery science theater, like, you know, making fun of, you know, cheap, crappy cinema or like, uh, like 
there are people who like the video game equivalent of that. Like, what's that uh, uh, game called? Uh, uh, the one where, like, there's no, you can't go forward in time, and there are times in it where, like, you're, like, an investigator, and, like, you have to, uh, like, you know, wait till 8 a.m. for, like, the office to open, but, like, it's, like, 10 p.m., so, like, you just have to wait around for, like, 10 hours of in-game time or whatever. No, I don't know. Uh, but... I forget the name of it, but, uh, early like people who like Desert Bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like... Like, you know, like, I, I know there's people out there, like, there's nothing coming to mind because, like, games that I play are not horrible. <laughs> you know, like, they're, even if I know they're not popular, like, I know they're good because I like playing them. So nothing's really coming to mind that's something that I know is bad and I still play. Everything I play is good. Yeah. I guess you could maybe argue that Angry Video Game Nerd has made a career out of this question um, to some yeah. degree. Yeah, right. Um, I would say there's a couple that come to mind uh, that are more, way more nostalgia than actual game at all. Um, Athena on the NES is a really terrible. Oh, it's a dude. terrible game. <laughs> right on. That's that's a that's a game. I, I know what you're going to say. I don't mean to steal your thunder, but that's no, one of okay. the games I grew up with. Yep. And we even knew it was bad at the time, yeah. but we played the living hell out of it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and you just you want to. Th- I guess when I was a kid, I wanted to think that there was more there than there was. Uh, maybe I was just bad at it, but no, the game was not great. I mean, yeah. to some degree, you knew it was not the best game you'd ever rented. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just has like this really like catchy little tune, and it wants to be something really cool, and it's not. Uh, but it's just like a weird little quirky game, and I still plug it in and play it every once in a while. I don't usually get very far, and then I turn it off, and that's life. And uh, another one would be Last Battle on the Sega Genesis <laughs> is this really terrible um, Fist of the North Star game. Uh, and it's it's bad. There's not any redeeming qualities to it, really. You just walk around and beat the crap out of people. It's, uh, it's not even complicated. But again, I just have fond memories of playing it. So that's it. Uh, they're not good. I don't know if I'd even recommend looking them up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Sean, you know the feeling, right? You, you have that one or two games when you're younger and you just play them anyway. Yeah, and it's really cool that Athena was one of them for, for both of us. That's neat. <laughs> right, because it was very cheap and nobody wanted to keep it. Yeah. Uh, let's move over. We've got several questions from our friend Sega Tomcast. It's at the Pocky X on Twitter. His first one says, It seems local retro stores have prices higher than online usually. Is this trend, or do I just have near price hike stores? Bill, you no, that's just retail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some degree. yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess it could be just you because all you know, all you know is you, and all we know is us. So, like, it's it's hard to know trend. I'll tell you, I went to a, uh, I actually purchased Saga, the comic that I was just talking about, for a friend of mine for his birthday party, and while I was there. Uh, the store that I went to also sells video games. It's more like a side business for them. They're primarily like a tabletop and like comic store, but they have like a really big, big section of retro video games. And I walked over to the stuff. Let me figure what they, let me see what they have there. Loose Nintendo entertainment. And they're all shrink wrapped. Like they have the controller. They have all the cables. It looks like someone really, you know, took time to do it. Loose Nintendo entertainment system, $99. <laughs> Loose <laughs> Genesis 2. $99. Oh, wow. Loose Super Nintendo, $99. Wow. Loose uh, Nintendo Wii, $99. <laughs> so just when I thought, okay, they're making every system $99. Loose Genesis 2, 49 
So I was like, oh, what is the reason for this? And then I started looking through more stuff. Greatest hits copy of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, $59.99. Wow. Uh, uh, loose copy of Legend of Zelda uh, Adventure of Link, uh, Grey Cart, $49.99. Wow. I, I actually went over to the desk there and I said, I'm not trying to give you crap. I'm, I'm just curious. Do you? I, I, I didn't even say, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a collector or whatever. I just said, do you guys ever sell any video games? And they were like, not really. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And so basically the, the store that owns them, which is a, a, a retro and tabletop store like an hour away, they basically, like, they send them video game inventory just so that they have some. And I don't know if the management just doesn't care. Like, the pricing is out of control, but, like... My friend's uh, Chris. He has three stores in Connecticut, and his prices are as as good as anything you'd see anywhere. Like he actually talks to me about. He tries to keep his prices lower, so that people like you know want to come back in the store. But it's a double edged sword because then when people want to sell him stuff, he doesn't pay as much because he sells stuff for less. So it's like it's tricky. Retail's tricky any way you look at it. But I've seen it both ways around me. Hmm. Sean, what's shopping yeah. like for you in Texas? Well, in Austin, there's a there are some good local stores here, and but I think we're used to looking at retail stores like that. That like we've cultivated like game hunting down to a science that we're like shredding every penny off of the price of the games that we buy, going to garage sales or doing trades or just stalking eBay for days to grab that game that you want at the price you want, that when you go into a used video game store and you see Super Mario Duck Hunt for, you know, $19.99, that it's just like, no, this, this isn't for me. You know what I mean? I think a lot of these retro video game stores are in a business that is catering to people who are not like th- that's not for us really i mean I, I i don't know there there are a few around me that have some more reasonable reasonable prices than others but when i go into them i just kind of shake my head you know what i mean and i just think like i'm not i'm not the target customer for a place like this i know too much you know what i mean hmm. yeah that's that's a really good point is is the collector absolutely is not the target customer the target customer for them is somebody who walks in is like whoa i used to have a nintendo exactly and they have no idea what they actually go for and they're like oh for 120 bucks i can get this and this i'm a successful adult i can afford that you know you're, you're <laughs> totally right it's it's not for us <sighs> i kind of go both ways to some degree I'm, i've got a local store that's nice enough where they i mean they're not idiots and when a game comes in, they look at price charting, and then they knock a certain amount off of it. That's how they price things. So most of the time, it's going to be somewhere like around 20% below retail, uh, or below eBay. And I could pretty much count on that. Now, they're not always great about that. Sometimes I walk out with good deals, and they're also friendly to me because I buy enough and will give me deals when I buy stuff so you know i i find that that's good they'll they'll work with you you know what i mean if you're a regular customer they want to keep regular customers coming in so they're going to price to be competitive um and also do what they can to keep you in back coming back in the store right so that Mm. makes good sense uh and you got people in the store you can deal with Right. That I love that. So if somebody comes in, you go, oh, you know, hey, the label's dinged up or this has got a scratch on it. And they go, yeah, sure. Here. Well, what about this? 
Or I've even had sometimes where they're like, what do you think is fair? Because they've dealt with me enough. They're like, what do you think I we should charge for that? And because they, they know I'm not going to lie to them, and I know what the costs, you know, I know what the price is too. Mm-hmm. And I've even honestly had them ask me a couple times on things. They're like, do you think the price we've got on, I mean, I know you're not looking to buy it, but do you think this is a fair price? And sometimes I've gone, no, it's too low. You know, mm. you should mark that up. Um, but again, I do that because I also know when it comes time, they'll help me. And so, hey, I want you guys to stay in business too, right? Mm. So sell some games, make some money. And every once in a while, I get a sweet deal. You know, I bought a, a Genesis game the other day for like three bucks that probably should have been about $25. But, you know, it's uh, nobody was going to throw me a fit. Nobody was like, oh boy, well, wait a second. Let me look that one up. Um, so I support those kind of businesses. And we've also got some other ones that are not too far away that are the opposite, right? They're the, um, we're going to market high and you just... And you're like you say, and the one I'm thinking of particularly sells records, comic books, figures, and games. So again, it's not their primary market. It's again probably people are coming in to buy one thing. They see a couple games, they go, oh, "Okay, cool," and they buy it. So you know, I like going into stores. I like buying from local retailers or people I know. I'm not a big eBayer. Um, that's what I like. Is it right or wrong? I don't know, but that's just what I run into. Trends, I got no clue. I mean, obviously, everything is getting more expensive. Guarantee that. So right. if you want something, mm-hmm. buy it now because it's going to be more expensive next year. And don't gripe next year when you go, daggone it, it's gone up. You know, mm-hmm. of course it has. <laughs> yeah, because, it's a game. Yeah, well, because everybody's holding on to them, right? That's it. Right. It's not like it used to be. There's, Yeah, there's a reason why these things are scarce is because there's a lot of collectors holding on to them. Yeah. So, you know, anyway. Um, next question he asks, have you ever backed any games on Kickstarter? He says, I'm still waiting on a game I backed to 2012. Oh, uh, man. And therein lies the problem. Exactly. Sean, you Kickstarter guy? I never have. I came close to backing uh, Pure Solar because I wanted the Dreamcast copy, but I didn't. And I ended up downloading it for the PS3. Again, on one of those aforementioned uh, PlayStation Store flash sales. So I think I ended up getting it for like $2 anyway. So that, that was the closest <laughs> I came. And I probably, I don't know, it would have to be something really good for me to want to do it. Bill, have you done Kickstarter? Yeah, I kickstarted Broken Age. Oh, that's right. Uh, the uh, Tim Schafer uh, adventure game. Uh, happy that I did it. Um, I kickstarted a couple other uh, uh, tabletop games. Not terribly happy that I did it. And <laughs> the, the story with tabletop games seems to be very similar across the board. Um, there are always, 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 always uh, design delays. Um, so the earlier you are in design, the, the same thing with video games, the earlier you are in design, the longer you're going to have to wait, the more delays are going to be. Also, most board games or tabletop games are manufactured in China. So by the time everything is done, there's a pretty long boat ride uh, over here so that, uh, you know, like a large quantity of games doesn't cost a billion dollars to ship from China to the U.S. So um, and the, the one of the most common things with tabletop games is, hey, there's the game on the shelf in my local tabletop store before I've gotten my copy mm. because, you know, the distributors get them, you know, as quickly as uh, anybody else. So, um yeah, I mean, I've kind of cool. Like Kickstarter is a really cool idea. I think it's a re- got its place. I've really cooled on kickstarting stuff. So there's never been a time then that you know if something really awesome happened that was a Kickstarter, 
it will continue to be awesome and be available in other, you know, in other ways. So unless you just absolutely want to, you know, be on the list of people who, you know, like made it happen with the Kickstarter, have your name in the credits. Uh, it's not really something that, uh, that, that I'm into. Yeah. I've backed several Kickstarters. I don't necessarily have anything against them. And there's also several that I thought about, but it didn't, uh, my, where I draw the line is, will my contribution to this thing really make a difference? So right. there's some... Is it, is it happening anyway? Yeah. I've There's some projects that I backed that I thought like, man, if this is going to be close, you know, like I if I really want a chance of this thing even existing, I probably need to kick in or it's just not going right. to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been other projects that I've seen that's like, man, this thing is like a, a gazillion percent funded. I don't need to fund this. I'll just buy a copy when it comes out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Totally. Um, so like, what was the last, uh, un- un- unless there's like an exclusive thing, right? Like it's like, okay, like the Kickstarter exclusive is like the original, bo- yeah. this box or like this art or whatever. Like if it's, if, you know, if, and I know it's, it's not always easy to tell that like the people who back the Oculus, they didn't know they were getting a free retail kit. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, it got to, it, you know, that's one of the better deals, uh, uh, in Kickstarter land. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if it's going to be, I'm with you, Chris, like if it's going to be the exact same thing either way, and if my contribution is not going to make a difference, be like, oh, cool. I will watch out for that in two years. Yeah. I mean, like Mighty Number no. Nine, I didn't back that. It comes out in a couple months. I'll buy it when it comes out. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or, what was that one by the Symphony of the Night? Uh, Igarashi. Oh, yeah. Blood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was that called? I don't remember, but it was Blood yeah, something. Yeah, I can't remember now. Um, yeah, it, was, it had Blood in the title. You're right. But again, I really want that game. Did I kickstart? No, because it was ridiculously funded. I'll just buy it when it comes out. That's fine. Sure. Um, and then there's games that get kickstarted that you don't want, like Shenmue 3. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I lived through Shenmue. Should, I uh, should start another site called UnKickstart, where you can take pledge money, money to, de- to destroy things. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, last but not least, uh, I think jokingly he says, uh, "So anybody want to buy an Nvidia Shield?" Kind of poke fun at him for buying yeah, one of those. I mean, like. I, I, I've, I've, someone asked me about this because I'm a Steam guy and everything. And like, they're like, so what do you think of the NVIDIA Shield? And it's like, you know, it's one of those things that I forget exists because, like, you know, like if I'm home playing, like, on my PC, I'm going to play on my monitor. I'm going to play on my Steam Link. Like, I don't even understand the world that this exists in. <laughs> uh, obviously, Tom <laughs> understands yeah. and doesn't want to live in that world anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> he wants to unkickstart his NVIDIA Shield. I will have to say, if you want to read uh, tweets about random, odd pieces of technology, follow at the Pocky X. Um, you'll see a weird slew of tweets, and in there, he seems to be really interested right now in smartwatches. So if you want to hear about a lot of different smartwatches and, and their <laughs> goods and bads, uh, I love it. He's checking out the trends, so I don't have to. Um, up next, at Ikari Niku, who's uh, an RF Jenner, he says, uh, what are good yeah. places or sites to go get homebrew ROMs or carts legally? I'm looking to expand this area of my NES collection. I've got some answers. I don't know if either of you two guys do any of this stuff, so I'll let you guys pot shots if you got any. I've bought some repro carts. I, I don't usually do homebrew, but I've bought repro carts off of... Uh, 
a site called Shipmasters, and I've liked the results, the product that I've gotten. But as far as he has in brackets here legally, and mm. I really am not an expert on the legality of any of this stuff. And that's not a that's not a homebrew. That's a repro card of a existing intellectual property. So I'm not I'm not really good to answer this question, to be honest. So, Billy, you got anything to contribute? Uh, yeah, so homebrew ROMs uh, specifically. Uh, uh, they're, uh, everyone's familiar with MAME, Multiple Arcade Machine Emulator. Not as many people are familiar with what happened to MAME, um, I believe it was last year. Um, there was another emulator called MESS, Multiple Emulator Super System, that borrowed code from MAME, but instead of, multi- of emulating multiple arcade machines, emulated multiple systems. So basically you have one emulator that would play, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Genesis, blah, 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 blah. There's over 2,000 systems that mess uh, 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 emulated. Because that, yeah, it included like, uh, like cal- it included calculators <laughs> and like, you know, like, yeah, like you can emulate uh, calculators, you can emulate, you know, uh, like, like models of computers. So like the 386, the Amiga, like there, there's a whole list uh, uh, of the supported systems. Not all are working, but all of the, like the BIOS ROMs and everything for the systems have been dumped. Anyway, long story short, there's a branch of MAME now called HB MAME, homebrew MAME. So because, MAME has been merged with MESS. So, you know, getting back to the question, he wants to expand his NES collection. There's a branch of a MAME called HB MAME, which is what it sounds like it is. It's homebrew. So uh, you go to hbmame.com.net.org, whatever it is, just Google HB MAME. And there are ROMs that have been freely distributed by the people who've created them to be distributed in this package. Um, I don't know at that point if you really wanted to get them on carts, you either have to have a ROM burner or programmer rather that you could burn them or contact someone either on these sites that do custom carts or on forums. But uh, I would suggest anyone interested in the homebrew stuff that you've never heard of, uh, check out HB MAME um, if you're uh, looking to, uh, you know, to find some cool stuff that's legal. Cool. Um, digging into the NES part he talks about, um, I'll just give a couple quick mentions. Um, both of these companies sell homebrew stuff. So, um, one of them is, uh, retro USB. Um, yes, that's the big one. Yeah. You can definitely, uh, buy several homebrew games there at any time for NES and Super Nintendo. Uh, oh, actually, Chris, can I just yeah, interject yeah, one quick point before we keep going? Um, I, I should have mentioned that. So Retro USB, I believe, also sells uh, repro uh, NES game cases and blank PCBs. So for people who wanted to kind of like try their own hand at like, you know, programming their own uh, ROMs, is, is that still true or they don't don't have that anymore? They stopped doing that, but oh, okay. the next site, the next time I'm going to mention does. So, um, infinite NES lives or lives, or I have no idea how you're supposed to pronounce that. I'm going to guess. That's gotta be lives. I guess. I would say lives. Uh, uh, I would guess, but I would also think like the NES lives. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, uh, infinite (laughs) NES lives. Um, it's the website's exactly what it sounds like. It's just infinite NES lives, but they, um, they do actually sell homebrew games. And they also sell one legitimate legal re-release of Sunday Funday. So if you want a legal re-release of Sunday Funday, you can go buy that. 
Um, and they also sell dev boards and cart shells. So like Bill was saying, if you want to make your own stuff, you can buy the stuff there to do it. So, um, I would also quickly mention there's a, a company called Pico Interactive. Um, they got some cool stuff. (laughs) Um, Pico Interactive sells, um, super Nintendo games that are, um, properly licensed so they've got several games that were in development eons ago they've acquired the rights and they sell them legally so they're legal reproductions uh or i would just say you know re-releases of games so if you really wanted super noah's arc 3d you can go buy it (laughs) or mr bloppy saves the world it's there it is it's right there for you so yeah there are uh this is becoming more common for companies to you know, definitely usually smaller IP holders to license out the rights to do this. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think Nintendo's going to probably come out and go, yeah, here, you can re-release our carts or anything, but some people are. So, you know, that's cool. I like that. Um, Getting back to our questions, we have one left, and this one pains me to no end. So, at Neo Magic Warrior, oh, this is. Uh, can we just skip it? Mm, no, no, it's a good one. I got a good answer. <laughs> All right. What non Dark Souls games of 2016 are you most looking forward to playing? That does pain you. I didn't read the non part. Uh, now it's okay to answer this question. I guess I have no answers. So, Sean. Wait, there's nothing coming out this year that you want to play? I'm joking. I'm (laughs) joking. Go ahead. (laughs) So for me, my answer is easy because it's a game that's already out, and I just ordered a copy, actually a copy of each one of the games uh, that came out, and that's Fire Emblem Fates, both Conquest and Birthright. I ordered Mm -hmm. it today on its way to me uh, for the 3DS. The... um, the game that came before this in the series, Fire Emblem Awakening, is one of my favorite games of all time. It is far and away, hands down, my favorite game on the 3DS. And I cannot wait till these games get in my mailbox so I can play them. They're going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, thanks for being substitute Krabby <laughs> on, that, on that topic. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say, I thought Krabby couldn't make it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Bill, looking forward to some stuff? Crackdown three. Crackdown three. Oh, nice. you think it's gonna make I it? Believe. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be released one way or another this year. Um, I know there was some news about like, uh, oh, it's gonna be released. Like, you know, I think they were saying like, like the they they were they were saying there was some weird news about like yeah it's being released like in two phases like we'll have more news soon so like i'm wondering if they're going to release it like as like a free to play like open multiplayer beta for a couple months um or may- almost like killer instinct rather like like it's Seasons. free right like it's free everyone can download it but like you know like you can only you know do certain stuff and I was like, okay you want to keep playing the game okay give us 20 bucks you want new content you know like i have no idea i'm just guessing but i'm huge 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 crackdown one fan and actually after i warmed up to it crackdown two uh has some amazing content uh, amazing stuff to offer so uh crackdown uh easy 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 um uh, I'm actually really looking forward to Final Fantasy 15. I'm getting oddly excited about it every time I hear new news about it. No, that, that one I think has the biggest chance of slipping. That does look like it could be awesome, though. That that has yeah. real potential for sure. Su- super, yeah. So that one, um, Recore, I, they keep saying is coming out this year. So hopefully it does. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, uh, what else? What else? What else? Last Guardian. Uh, yeah, I don't have the system yet. If I got one, I'd be excited about it. 
Um, that, that'd be something I'd borrow a system uh, uh, for if I could. Um, I'm a big, I like Uncharted 2 and 3. Um, I don't need to play the games when they come out, so like I'll get Uncharted when it's the greatest hits. Uh, of course, NHL when that comes out. And I think, I think that's pretty much all my big ones. Is anybody into No Man's Sky? That's coming out very soon. That's like re- no, yeah, really super yeah, hyped and a lot of buzz. It's been extremely hyped. I've still like, it's one of those things that like it looks. They can't really explain to me exactly what the game is, and like they've done a better job as of late compared to like a year ago. Um, I need to see it like three months after it's come out to be like, oh, that's what it is, yeah. you know. And the the good news is it's coming to PC too, so I don't need to wait to get a PS4. Nice. So maybe, maybe we'll see about that one. Chris, do you have anything besides Dark Souls that you have a burning desire to play? <laughs> Ah, uh, it really stinks. That I can't talk about that game. Um, yeah, a few. Uh, definitely, I'm right there with you, Bill. Crackdown three. I'm uh, excited. I really hope that's something we can do some multiplayer uh, and do some Oof. play. And yeah. that'll Anytime. be a lot of fun. Uh, those two games are just fun. I mean, it's it. They're simple. Mm. They're just a good time. Um, yeah, just ju- just jump. 50 feet in the air and just <laughs> slam your fist down and oh everything about i gotta go play crackdown right now yeah. it's so good i just love the hey i wonder if i could get over and do this <laughs> yeah you can do that yeah <laughs> or like uh i wonder if i could or, sneak this car into this building to get hit the yep. boss with it yes you probably yep. can or, like or no i can't let me level up a bit yeah, no, I can. <laughs> I did that. I like wedged a car into this one place one time just so I could hit a guy with it. It was pretty, it was a lot of fun. Oh, so, so good. <laughs> um, so, uh, outside of that, uh, Bravely Second comes out next oh, month. Oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah. I will definitely want, uh, I've already got that pre ordered. So, uh, I want to play that. Um, 20% I, off. What's that? 20% off. Yeah, right. right? I mean, yeah, yeah Amazon pre-order. is paying me to take it. Well, you know. There you go. I got to look into that. <laughs> Um, I also have Mighty Number no. Nine pre-ordered, even though I'm kind of mm. like I don't know. I'm kind of scared <laughs> to find out if it's good or bad. I really don't know what's going to happen. And Cuphead, I want Cuphead. That's right. So, I forgot about Cuphead. Yeah, mm. it's. I think it's. Oh, and I was going to say too. Um, Super Hot. Have you seen Super Hot, Bill? Uh, maybe I'm just forgetting that it was called Super Hot. What's it oh, it's like? already out on PC. So check it out. Um, Super Hot is. A game where it's a like a first-person shooter, but the gimmick here is that you're put into certain scenarios, and time only advances when you move. So it's like a really uh, a, yes, yes, a yes. thinking game of like, okay, now how do I get this guy and that guy and dodge right. this bullet? And so mm-hmm. you kind of have to figure out what you're going to try to do, and then you control the flow of time. That's right. I saw a video of this, and uh, uh, it's it's really interesting. It, re- it reminded me of a game called Frozen Synapse, which I know you haven't heard of no. because it's a PC game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's uh, instead of being it's it's very similar to this. It's but it's uh, it's a turn based isometric game. So basically, it's very similar to, to what this is. But like, so you'll be like, okay. What I'm going to do is, like, I see where the bad guy is. On my turn, I'm going to take my guy. I'm going to move him, like, you know, three feet to the right. As he's moving, 
turn so his field of view sees the window, and then fire at the bad guy who's standing right there. So basically you set all your moves for all your players, and then you hit go. What you're not taking into account is everyone else is doing their moves at the same time, so the guy who's standing in front of the window might not be standing in front of the window by the time, you know, like the fifth or sixth frame or whatever, by the time you get there. So it's like a turn-based strategy game with, like, you know, guns and stuff, but everything moves at the same time. So it kind of reminded me of that when I first saw the video. Uh, I think it came out, like, this week, right? On PC, and I think uh, maybe it's end of the month or next month for Xbox One. So um, yeah. and I would C- imagine it could, could be cool. Probably come to PS4 at some point in time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so those are a few things I'm looking forward to, but really I'm just going to be playing Dark Souls 3 this year. So, uh, yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so thanks everybody very much for the questions. Really appreciate it. Uh, I do have yeah, some more codes great. and I was very bad. I didn't get to anybody from the last show. So, uh, <laughs> we didn't have very many questions about the last one. I think most of those people are probably represented here. So, Hey, I'll get with you. I've got some steam codes to give away as thanks for Ooh. submitting some, Questions. So if you hear this and I've not gotten a hold of you, shame on me. Just say, hey, Chris, what's the problem, buddy? Give me my code and and I'll, I'll give you a code. Alright, so today's topic is the PlayStation 2. The Sony PlayStation 2, the system with more games than there are grains of sand on the beach. <laughs> so it's going to be very difficult to get everything in there, and hopefully the uh, forum uh, and the threads will be filled with people saying, but you didn't mention XYZ game, and that's great because that's what the system is. Uh, since there are so many, we didn't want to limit it just to you know like the favorite three or the favorite five or the favorite ten uh, uh, games of each of us on here. We just kind of wanted to riff about PlayStation 2 for a while. Um, so uh, we are going to kind of ping pong back and forth, talk about all the great games that we like, we will eventually land at the top five games, uh, uh, you know, for each of us uh, on the PlayStation 2. Um, but I thought it'd be uh, uh, fun just to start off with uh, each of us. When you got your PlayStation 2, what was the first game you got for it? What was your initial experience with it? And then we'll just see where that conversation goes from there. Sound good? Right on. Great. All right. So, Sean, your, play- your PlayStation 2 experience. <laughs> go (laughs) awesome so first of all let me say again this is so awesome to be on this show talking about the playstation (laughs) 2 this is the moment i've been waiting for (laughs) my entire podcasting career and the playstation 2 is the most incredible amazing it's the best video game console of all time it had a 13 year console life it sold 150 million uh, units. It's the best-selling video game console of all time. It is the all-time greatest. Oh, well, your buddy, 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 you better slow down there, pal. <laughs> <laughs> it's very subjective here. 
<laughs> well, that's that's how I'm approaching this, man. This this is my favorite system. I took a look at my collection today, and it is by far outranks any other console that I own as far as the volume of games I have. A, I have about 250 PlayStation 2 games. 190 of those are complete in box, and then I have a uh, a spindle of 60 loose discs. And I just love like for every. Um, every game I play on a different console, I'm probably going to play a PlayStation two game, uh, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, the first time I played a PlayStation two was a couple friends of mine that I was in a band with had one. And I remember seeing the launch title, um, Madden, Oh, Madden 2001. And my, it was one of those moments like, it was almost like the first time you saw Super Mario Brothers, which is another like moment when I just I saw it, my jaw hit the floor and I couldn't believe what I was seeing on the screen. And I'll never forget seeing Madden 2001 on a PlayStation 2. And um, it, they ended up lending me their PS2 because I had like kind of a wealthy family and they didn't, you know, they were just kind of freewheeling with that kind of stuff. So they let me borrow it. And I ended up playing the hell out of Madden and playing uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 eventually when it came out. And I, of course, as soon as I could afford it, bought my own. And uh, the rest is history. I mean, PS2 is 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 my favorite. I, so that's that's my history. But that's how I got started with it. Awesome. Yeah. No, and, and I have to say when we, uh, uh, you know, Duke sends uh, me and Krabby a message every, you know, month. So, okay, guys, time to start thinking about recording. Like, what are we doing for a topic? And we're all normally kind of like, well, I don't know. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And we, and we come up with something. Uh, Chris sent the message and I said, PlayStation 2. <laughs> like, I was like, that, that's what it's going to be. And then he said, oh, okay. He said, uh, <laughs> We should probably get Sean on this because he'll never talk to us again if he's uh, uh, not on the PS2. So he said we can't do it if Sean's not going to be on it. So, but yeah, no, we we knew your your love for the system and uh, and rightly so. So, uh, Chris, uh, I know that uh, you know growing up with uh, uh, you know the Atari and uh, the NES, uh, kind of like all the, the the good old classics, the arcade, the golden age, uh, the arcades. So PlayStation 2 wasn't, you know, uh, you know, early in your gaming life. So how'd you come into the PlayStation 2? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously being a little older than you young pups, um, you know, I was in my, I was in my 20s uh, when PlayStation 2 came out, um, latter 20s. And, uh you know, I, I it was a thing. You know, I just I've always been to games, so I a new system comes out, you buy the new system. That's just kind of the way it goes. And <laughs> so you bought it at launch. I did. Um, I was ah. uh, actually a big Dreamcast fan, and had Woo. had my Dreamcast. You know, and Woo. I thought, all right, here, Sega's got it. This is a great system, and this is just <laughs> man, this is gonna kill everything. And this is so. And I love Dreamcast. I really did. Preach, preach it. <laughs> um. And I thought, okay, well, I mean, you know, I had fun with PlayStation. It was a good system. PlayStation 2 comes up. Yeah, sure. I get a, I get a PlayStation 2. Why not? So my dad um, did, and still does, actually, work for a chain of stores out here called Meyer. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. It's all in the Midwest and stuff. Not that he did me any favors. He just worked there. So I was like, hey, are you guys going to get some PlayStations 2 on launch day? Because that was a big thing. It was... It was pretty well publicized that there was going to be a shortage. There just was not enough mm-hmm. to go around on launch day. 
And this was kind of back before like pre-orders and stuff. So if you wanted one, guess what you did? You waited in a line <laughs> until you could get one. Um, so yeah, I asked him, said, you guys going to get some? And he said, yeah, I think we're going to get like three or four or something like that, um, on the launch day. I said, okay. Um, so I took off work early that day. I had, uh, my mom watch my daughter, my only daughter at the time. And I sat down in line. <laughs> so probably for like five or six hours before they could go on sale, uh, I plunked myself down in the in the line, and I was not the first person there. So, um, you know, even coming in like five or six hours ahead of time, and there was one more person that was ahead of me. Uh, but I knew, like, okay, good, I'm going to get one. And then some other people showed up, and then you're kind of like, well, you know, I don't know if they're going to get one or not, but at least I'm okay. So, <laughs> you know, we spent some time sitting in the line for many hours and jib-jabbing, and, you know, from time to time, my dad would come by and just shake his head at us. <laughs> uh, but that was it. And they had, you know, pretty terrible launch lineup. Titles. I mean, like the choices were like, oh, do I want Fantavision or Tekken Tag Tournament? <laughs> so I bought Tekken Tag Tournament because, you know, not like there was very many choices involved. Uh, and I didn't care about Fantavision. So that's it. I went home with the PlayStation 2 and Tekken Tag Tournament, like whatever left or midnight, I was tired. I didn't hook it up. I went to bed because uh, I had to go to work. <laughs> and so it was the next day. I, I got it out, plugged it in. I thought, this is pretty cool. It looks nice. Still think the Dreamcast has got a good shot at this thing. <laughs> uh, I was wrong. So <laughs> that was... That was uh... Oh, and I also really wanted it because it did play DVDs, and I didn't have a DVD player at the time. So that was a big draw. I was like, oh, I get a DVD player too. You and many other people. Yeah, I think that sold mm-hmm, a lot definitely. of PlayStation 2s. Yeah, it really, really, really did. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's my, my first experience uh, uh, with the system was was at retail. I was working at Babbage's in uh, Danbury, uh, Connecticut, at the Danbury Fair Mall. And, uh, you know, we've been taking pre-orders forever. And this was back in the days uh, where, you know, like, computers were a thing. The Internet was a thing. But, like, you know, it was still, like, relatively uh, adolescent. So our pre-orders were still, like, on a paper binder. So people would come in and, you know, we'd write down their name and the date they pre-ordered. We'd take their money and we'd just, you know... Okay, I'm trusting you, buddy. You wrote it down. You know, <laughs> there was this was uh, you know back then. So uh, uh, I guess late late '90s, early 2000s, right? So um, uh, we ended up. I remember this. I don't know why I remember this number, but we got 27 PlayStation Twos in, and we were one of the stores that had you know the most yeah, in lot. the state. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember what we did was like it was me and the manager, a friend of mine, Rob, uh, who was at Retro World Expo last year. Uh, he. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we called everyone like the week or two before the system came out and we said, okay, you're going to want to come in and pay off your system just so it's already rung up. Like, you know, everything, like, so basically we, and games came out before the system did, which is common, uh, you know, was common. It doesn't really happen as much anymore, but like we got copies of like, what was it like the bouncer or like, you know, I think eco was a, uh, was a launch title too, but we had all these games in that you couldn't buy the system yet. So everyone came in and like bought their games and left with them, but the system wasn't out till the launch day, right? It was like October 27th. If I don't remember what the date was, uh, but uh, we had everyone come in and pay off their systems like the week before. And then like at, you know, five in the morning, me and Rob showed up, we rang through all the sales in the system, in the, you know, cause in the computer system, cause you couldn't sell it before the system, you know, before launch day. And we had all the systems like, you know, rolled up, like stapled bag shut receipts in there with names on them, everything. So we opened the, the store. There's like three people waiting outside because 
everyone knew like, oh, if you didn't reserve it, you don't, you can't get one. So nobody waited in line. So like three guys were waiting. We gave those three guys their PlayStations and then it was dead for like the next like three hours. And then, cause everyone just showed up for their PlayStation twos, like after work, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like nobody, nobody needed to, to be there. Um, so the launch was, it uh, was pretty ridiculous. Uh, but, uh, I, I'm with you, Chris. I was a big, big Dreamcast fan, a uh, big supporter of the Dreamcast. Uh, I thought the Dreamcast had a really great shot. And even like a year or two after the, after, you know, uh, uh like PlayStation twos launch, I was like, you know what? I still really think the Dreamcast, you know, has a lot of, you know, and part of that was just fanboyism. And the other part was like, look at the pretty colors and the colors on PlayStation are so bland and oh no, PlayStation. (laughs) So, um, but no, so my, my first experience with owning the system, I waited until the Gran Turismo three bundle came out because I was a real, real big Gran Turismo one and two fan. So my uh, PlayStation three was the Gran Turismo bundle, which uh, if you're ever out there looking at copies of Gran Turismo three, uh, the uh, red uh, case uh, in the U.S. is the uh, bundle copy that was bundled with the system. And the blue case, the boring, stupid blue one is the one that you bought at retail uh, if you didn't get the, the system bundled. Um, so, yeah, that's uh that's when I, when, you know, I worked at retail when it launched, and that was my kind of initial, uh, you know, experience with the, with the system. Uh, do you guys remember the first game, or, or rather the game that made you completely fall in love with the PlayStation 2? What do you think, Sean? You've probably got a huge laundry list, but is there one? <laughs> no, I mean, I would, it's probably Grand Theft Auto 3. Like I said, my initial mm-hmm. impression was Madden 2001. That that was the one that like blew me away and, and my jaw dropped to the floor. But I, I think the one that made me fall in love with it had to be Grand Theft Auto 3 or maybe Metal Gear Solid 2, but that was later on. The games mm-hmm. I just spent hours, you just couldn't put it down. You, I literally played Metal Gear Solid 2 like overnight like in, until the sun came up a couple times. So it's probably a toss-up between GTA 3 and MGS 2. Mm. I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but I don't know if there's ever a game that made me fall in love with the system. Don't get me wrong. Lots of great PlayStation 2 games. But there is not one game in my mind that speaks to me that just says, this is PlayStation 2. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like there's just this big... It's, the library is so huge, and I played so many different titles on it. There's not one that jumps out that says, this is the system game. You know what I mean? This is the killer app for PlayStation 2. Um, I don't I mean, know. I, there is a King's Quest game on there. You can pretend it's Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I have... <laughs> I have Kingsfield, if that's what you're That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Yeah. not Kingsfield. Duh, sorry. (laughs) Kingsfield, exactly. Yeah, I do have that Kingsfield game. Um, I guess I would say the game that, to me, stands out most as a PlayStation 2 game is probably the first God of War. Um, Hmm. Okay. I remember, this is back in the day when you couldn't download demos, and they sent me... uh, I was part of that. It started in PlayStation 1... But they had this thing called PlayStation Underground, and it was a thing that you could sign up for, and they would send you, like, demo discs and stuff. And they had mailed me a – and they had, like, a special website for members and all this crazy stuff. And they sent me, like, this special – I mean, all this, like, kit. It was kind of cool. But anyway, um, they towards the end of that, they did send me a demo disc of God of War before it came out, and I got a chance to give it a shot. And I remember playing that. And just like going to every one of my friends and be like, oh my God, you have to try this. Oh my God, you have to try this. 
it was that first level all the way up until like the first boss is like this Hydra boss. And that was it. It was all the demo was. Right. But to me, I was like, I'd never seen anything quite like that. And it was just so much fun. And I probably played that demo umpteen times. And I just took it all to my friend's house. I'm like, oh, you got to play this thing. And right. of course, when God of War came out, I, you know, I played that thing to death, um, which is weird because I only played the first two and I never played any of the other ones. Uh, but I enjoyed the first two. But to me, that screams in my head PlayStation 2. Uh, I, I agree choice. that God of War screams PlayStation. Um, it's it, it's a better game than people give it credit. Because, and a lot of that is, has to do with, like, you know, you start talking about God of War and, like, you know, once people have played it, they're like, oh, yeah, I played God of War. It was really good. And I just feel like sometimes people don't realize just how good it is because it's one of those things that you go back to and then you play, you, know, you start playing through God of War or God of War 2, which is phenomenal. And it's they're they're so so good and they're so tight and and I didn't realize how how tight they were until I started watching. I'm I'm never really like a uh you know like some games have like you know like challenge rooms or something mm -hmm. like Metal Gear's got the VR missions and Bionic Commander Rearmed had them and uh, uh, a God of War and a Batman you know the Arkham games all have them. Um, uh, God of War had these you know like like trials you know these challenges and I would watch my brother like just like destroy them and like just get higher and get higher and higher and i was like i don't know how you're so good at this but like people who really latched on to like all the moves of the combat you know juggling uh, uh enemies uh knocking enemies into the others you like you know going between magic and, and effects it was one of those combat systems that was as simple as you wanted it to be or as complex as you wanted it to be you could play it either way um but yeah god of war uh it's actually i'm high on my list of uh uh, honorable mentions that didn't make my top five. Um, and oddly enough, Chris, I've also played God of War 1 and 2 and a little bit of the PSP uh, game Chains of Olympus. I've never played 3 or higher. Is that weird? I mean, yeah. sometimes I think, like, and maybe I, loved, I should. Yeah, and I loved 1 and 2. And even Chains of Olympus was really good, especially really good for the PSP. But uh, it's so weird. I just never, you know, went to any of the games uh, beyond 1 and 2. It's it's one of the the great mysteries of life. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe I, maybe we're missing out. Maybe we can find out. Yeah. Find out one day. Uh, what about you, so, Bill? All right. So there you go. I'm going to scratch uh, God of War off my uh, <laughs> my list because now that we've talked about that, I pretty I kind of have like a list of like ten ish games uh, to make sure we talk about before we get to the top five. So God of War is one. So uh, Sean, I, I have to assume that you're you know that you're on the God of War train. Oh man, I'm going to be controversial here and say <laughs> oh. I absolutely hate the God of War games. What? <laughs> wow. Hate? You hate it? All right. So here's here's my thing. Are you, are you sure you like the PS2? <laughs> I yes, I'm sure I like the PS2. But here's my thing. Did you play anything but DDR on the PS2? <laughs> Wait, isn't that what the PS2 is? It's just a DDR <laughs> machine, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Ultra Mega Max. <laughs> that and Beat Mania. That's the there only games I have. <laughs> <laughs> no, so here's what I hate about God of War. It's a ton of quick time events, and it's a ton of mashing on the circle button to make something happen. And I cannot stand that. Especially, like... A, like I hate to sound like cliche, but like I'm 34 years old. Don't don't make me sit there and mash on the square button like an idiot to make something happen, especially <laughs> opening every single chest that you come across. 
So they, they, yeah. But wait, wait. You do have to do that. But you weren't 34 when you played that. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I yeah. didn't get into these games when they were new. I only have have tried them, you know, a couple of years ago. I actually think I only played the God of War like one and two when the remaster came out for PS3. So I'm a little bit ignorant. I don't have the nostalgia for it. And I just, mm, in general, yeah. don't like that kind of gameplay. Now, having said that, I can absolutely respect what it did for the hack and slash genre. And I think God of War did for the hack and slash genre what Gears of War did for the third person shooter, where we wouldn't have games like Bayonetta or, or Metal Gear Rising of Vengeance if we didn't have God of War before them to kind of show the way of how to do a hack and slash game that is just amazing and exciting and, and flashy. So it would take out all the quick time events and button mashing and, and I'm in, but I, I just, I don't really like that franchise in general. Cool. Very interesting. PlayStation hater to the end. <laughs> no, he's, he's <laughs> totally, I mean, they're fair. Po- like here, here's the thing. Normally I'm with you because like, as you were talking about that, I'm like, yeah, you do have to do that. But like you go up to a chest and like, you know, if it was like a Zelda game, you press the A button and then depending on the game, it'll either just open or like a little like you know a, a cutscene will play where it's like <laughs> oh it's a thing you know like and it's like I guess that's cute and then like it happens forty times and you're like all right stop doing like the helicopter fly around the uh, treasure chest um, but yeah in God of War like you'll find like these chests and you know they could be life they could be you know magic and like you grab them. And it's like, you know, that little icon of like circle, like circle, circle, circle. circle. So, okay, I got to keep pressing this Those button. Those are really heavy then, chest lids, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, you like destroy these lids. <laughs> <laughs> they explode from the force of you opening them. And then all like the life forever inside, like it, it just, uh, you know, you absorb it. Um, you, you're right. Like normally I'm not a button master. Like for instance, in uh, uh, Red Dead Redemption, I loved how like you pressed a button over and over again to get your horse up to speed and then just held that button mm-hmm. and your horse would maintain that speed. Oh, that's great. Just give me a, give me a button hold over a button mash anytime. Right on. Um, but I, I, I think I just liked, you know, like feeling like I was like, you know, building up my godly power to smash the crap out of this uh, treasure chest. But you are right. There is a lot of times when the game's like, Hey, Press this button right now. <laughs> yeah, and I want to say one other thing about God of War, um, and I don't mean to give it praise necessarily because of what it did, but how it opened the door to some degree. So in God of War, they did, you know, they had some nudity and they had a sex mini game, and it was crass. It wasn't well done. Uh, it was more mm-hmm. for the, <laughs> you know. But yeah. what and it was and it was right at the beginning too, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. what it did, I think, was was the first big major title from a big publisher that just said it's okay to do something that's a little more adult in a game. Right. Okay. And this is not you're allowed to do this in a mature rated game, and everyone kind of looked at it, and went okay, and then we had much better. Much better. Well, I don't have to say this. Uh, games that did it much better, you know, in a, uh, in a better mm. ways to deal with adult themes later on. But I think in its own crude way, it at least opened a door to say, publishers, it's okay to do something that's more adult. Cool. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll go along with that. Sure. I, I mean, I I was still I was still at the age where it was like a <laughs> type thing to you know go and find uh, uh, the topless women uh, in the uh, you know in the jacuzzi and just like you know. It was the thing that, like, you know, like, you elbowed your friend to be like, hey, have you seen that yet? Like, you know, of course, now it's like you see that kind of stuff on TV, movies, watching Game of Thrones. And it's like, all right, like, that's just, you know, like, nudity happens in adult lives sometimes. Like, it's no big deal. But, like, yeah, it, it, it was the first time I remember just, like, having it happen in a game being like, all right, that was the thing. I guess we can keep playing the game now. Yeah, so I mean, I guess it. I owe it some debt of gratitude, just because. Not that I care to see naked people. It's just I'm glad we can talk about adult themes in games. Right. Um, I wonder if we should get one of uh, uh, you know, the elephants in the room uh, out of the way, just right right off the top here. Oh, and that is. Uh, one of Chris's favorite games. <laughs> oh, you're looking at my list? It's, is that... Well, it's on It's on my honorable mention list. Oh. And I know it's going to make your top list, so you don't have to talk about it a lot now. Oh. I'm well, just going to okay. mention it as care. one of my honorables. All right. Final Fantasy Twelve is better than people give it credit. Much. Much better. Uh, it's, it, mm. it, is a, it is a great game. And I know it's different than what a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, typically appreciate in Final Fantasy. It's not like, you know, it's not Cloud Strife. It's not, you know, Squall. It's not uh, Zidane or Zidane or whatever they call them, uh, wherever you are. Um, it's it's a different kind of game. It, it actually kind of feels a little MMO-y to me, very. just in that, like, the, the world is just very, like, living around you. You don't switch, you know, like, from from the world to combat. Like, it's just... It just feel it feels different. It's got a different quality to the voice effects. But I mean, if you're going to talk about a Sony system, you know, post PlayStation One, you kind of have to talk about Final Fantasy games. And we will definitely get to Final Fantasy Ten in a little while. I'm sure we uh, will. But uh, but Final <laughs> Fantasy Twelve, I thought deserved to mention uh, on the system as uh, you know one of the underappreciated uh, games in the series. Yeah, I mean, I don't care to talk about it now. I mean, obviously, it's it's high in my list of PlayStation Two games, but. Um, yeah, I think um, it took a very bold direction in a way that Final Fantasy had not done. Um, but again, this is following up on the heels of Final Fantasy XI, which was the first online MMO Final Fantasy game. Sure. So they really took right. a lot of ideas and thoughts from that and said, how can we make this into a single-player offline experience? So it was a very, I think, experimental, but I think it worked. Mm -hmm. And the piece that I loved most about this game was the Gambit system because it was a mm -hmm. very um, strategy-oriented system. So to do well, you really had to understand how to build these instructions for your team on how to deal with these situations almost automatically. Um, right. And I had a lot of fun doing that because if you did it well, you could just beat the tar out of stuff. Um, yep. And if you did it poorly, For, foreshadow, foreshadowing to the paradigm system. Yeah. Well, that's something else. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. This system is not not well done. But anyway, um, it gave you control in a real time fighting engine. That was Final Fantasy. So that's what I liked about it was you still had a lot of granular control without having to input button presses. For all your characters. Who has the time? Yeah. So, you know, and I think the story has its high points and its low points. Um, I think the main character, Vaughn, is pretty terrible and forgettable. Uh, but 
if you read like the history of the game, he was tacked on later to be more palatable to the Japanese. Um, the main star was meant to be Balthazar and Fran, who are the mm. uh, kind of Fran. Fran, Fran is the best. Fran is fantastic, um, and her voice work is very well done. And Balthazar is very that, good yeah. too. That that's that's what sticks with me more than anything else about Twelve is Fran's voice. Yeah. Definitely, uh, kind of a Bjork kind of sounding. Oof, man, voice. yeah, it's. it's I, if Iceland exists in Final Fantasy, like that's you know that's, oh, it's it's. I can't even describe it, and I can't do an impression of it. And also, like I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but the quality of how the voice is done, like it's, like you know how like you can tell when you're listening to like Super Nintendo versus Genesis. Uh huh. There's just something different about the quality. It almost sounds like the bit rate is actually lower than what you normally hear, and it kind of sounds more organic, like almost like it's coming from a record player and not from like a digital source. And I don't know if that was done on purpose or if I'm just you know just the way I heard it, but I just remember like the quality of the voices and it sounded so different. Yeah, um, I would probably guess we're going to see a re-release, uh, an HD Final Fantasy XII, just because that seems to be what Square does. Um, yeah. Well, I'm fine with that. Eventually. I'd play it again. Uh, I would like if they would expound a little bit on it and maybe give me some special dungeons and stuff, but I enjoyed it. I yeah. like the Gambit system. So, 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 sometimes I want to play an old game that I haven't played in forever, and I'm like, but what if there's an HD re-release in, like, you know, a couple of months? So, like, I, tip, I just, like, wait for that. Um, but, yeah, we've been talking about this for a bit. So, uh, Sean, did I hear you uh, make uh, some sort of positive or negative noise when we brought up Final Fantasy XII? <laughs> no. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I haven't played any Final Fantasy games on the PlayStation 2, but I've heard so many good things about Twelve, and I know about the whole, mm-hmm. like, uh, this game is, is different from a lot of the others in the franchise. It's set in the Ivalice universe, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of, like things going on in it that if i play a playstation 2 final fantasy game i'll probably go to 12 before i go to 10 just because of all the interesting Mm -hmm. things i've heard about 12 so yeah that that, that's my take on it i'm not i i don't know enough about it to make a comment but (laughs) i i want to it's on my radar i definitely want to play it Nice. So, so let's cut to Sean. So I've already uh, mentioned several off my honorable mention list leading up to the top five uh, PS2 games for each of us. So, Sean, are there any games out of the 5,498 <laughs> that uh, you have in uh, a CD spindle somewhere uh, that have not made your top five but deserve to be uh, mentioned when talking about the PS2? Sure. I, I have a few. I don't, I don't want to go nuts, and I'll just quick like go through a few of them. There's, a, there's an Astro Boy game that's based on the uh, 2000s uh, TV series based on Astro Boy. It was developed by Sonic Team, and it's really good. It's one of the best games that Sonic Team has ever made. <laughs> and that is <laughs> cheap, and it's very common. Uh, you can find it. It's like a less than $5 game. I would say also uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 are two of the best games that have ever been made. Like, If it's not uh, clear, I'm a huge Metal, Metal Gear Solid fan. I lo- uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the franchise. So, uh, wait, wait, wait. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Those are not in your top five? No, no. <laughs> I, was uh, they, th- I was thinking that too. Well, you know what? I tried to be. I tried to be a little bit like I could have done. You know, best-selling, common. Everybody knows the the best top five games on the PlayStation Two. So my actual top five is a little bit more creative. 
Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, just try, check out MGS 2 and 3. We got, you know, Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter, two amazing, you know, uh, mascot platformer games. Uh, we got Downhill Domination, which is a really cool uh, bicycle, just basically a mountain biking game where it's almost like SSX, but you're on a bike. You, you are going down <laughs> these incredibly long courses, and it's only, it's just straight downhill, but then there's like some combat involved and you can do tricks and it's just so much fun the music is great um speaking of music we got frequency and amplitude which are kind of precursors to the guitar hero hero games they're they're um rhythm based games um we got simpsons hit and run which is uh basically a simpsons grand theft auto game we got tony hawk's Pro <laughs> skater 3 which is the best game in the franchise we got the katamari games um we got a game called urban chaos riot response which was developed by rocksteady which went on to make the batman arkham games that game is really cool that's actually a first person shooter where you play as the police and you have a riot shield mechanic that is almost like time crisis where you can put up a shield to block bullets and you run around just tasering the bad guys. That is a really fun game. And my last honorable mention is a game called Shadow of Destiny, which is an adventure game where you can kind of jump back and forth through time. A lot of people have compared it to Quantum Leap. But it does a lot of really creative things with with time, almost almost like Life is Strange, but kind of better, to be honest, uh, where it's an adventure game where you have to prevent yourself from dying in like 10 different scenarios. It goes through like 10 different ways that you die or something, and you have to prevent yourself from dying and get to the next day. It's really cool. It's a very creative game. So... Well, I think that is all of my honorable mention. There are so many more. There's hundreds. But those are the ones that when yeah. I was looking at my shelf, I, I jotted those down. Those are all really good games. Wow. Yeah, it, all sound, yeah, it sounds fantastic. And, and talk about rapid fire. Those were, uh, those, were, <laughs> those were all quick. Those were all good. There's, uh, there's more than a couple in there that uh, uh, I've heard of Downhill Domination, but there's uh, uh, like the Astro Boy I, I wasn't familiar with. And that's what's cool about talking with someone who is just really passionate about like an enormous library of games uh, that you've never heard of is you can always, uh, you know, ping Sean and be like, hey, what's a game I've never heard of for PlayStation <laughs> 3 that's re- PlayStation 2 that's really good? And he'll be like, oh, well, this one and this one. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. That was really awesome. great. Thank you. Uh, Chris, Chris, do you want to go rapid fire through the honorable mentions and then we'll get to the top fives? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple I would like to throw in here. I think some of it kind of goes into part of the piece that was cool to me for the PlayStation 2. And that was the added on uh, online functionality, um, which I'll get more into a little bit later on in the top. But um I actually was, again, a part of this PlayStation Underground thing. And as a part of that, they would give you things to beta test and you'd give feedback on them. And I actually got in the Final Fantasy XI beta test um, Uh before that was ever released. So that was the first game that used uh, the hard drive. And so they were looking for, hey, did you already have the, uh, you know, the the network adapter. Um, so you had to kind of fill out these things to be able to qualify to be in these, um, 
these, you know, beta things. So I, you know, I already had the network adapter. And so I got in on the Final Fantasy XI beta. And they sent like this big box of, um, they had, you know, a hard drive in it. They had uh, the beta version disc. Uh, they had like a pretty thick manual trying to explain like what on earth this game was about. Because MMOs were very, very, very new at that time. And um, I remember it was so strange to me, like putting the hard drive in and then you would have to download all these updates, you know. And at that time it was like, what? You know, uh, and it would like every couple days there would be all these updates that would keep installing. And you're like, what on <laughs> earth is going on? Um, and the game was very foreign to me having played Final Fantasy because being an MMO I was like, this is so different. I didn't understand even for a while how to play it properly. Um, but I stuck with it and I would give my feedback and, um, and eventually at the end of it, they, they were like, you know, as a way to say, thanks for being a part of this thing. If you just send us in your hard drive from the original beta thing, we will send you the full retail version that you can keep. And, um, so I did that. So I got to keep like all the beta, like manuals, game, everything else. Um, and then they still sent me the big retail box as a way of saying thank you. So I would say that along with the same thing, um, EverQuest Online Adventures was another one that they had me beta test. So whenever they would do major updates for that one, they couldn't, they, they didn't use the hard drive. So they would send you version discs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, you'd like, oh, here's the version 2.0 disc. And oh, here's the version 3.0 disc. Try this one. Um, so that was really just strange. It was a very strange time in gaming. Um, where a lot of transition happened around that PlayStation 2 time because remember Xbox came on the scene and that's like, oh, Xbox has network features and a hard drive built in. What's PlayStation going to do? And mm-hmm. um, and they said, well, hey, we have that feature we could add in too. Although it never really got a lot of use. Um, I would throw that in. And probably another quick uh, couple honorable mentions. I won't spend as much time on these, but um, I would say uh, Ace Combat 4. I always enjoyed the Ace Combat games. 4 was probably the last one I really got into, but I remember getting that was the first one on PlayStation 3, on, sorry, PlayStation 2. And I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. Uh, those <laughs> kind of have a reputation for being gorgeous games. And I was kind of blown away at the graphic quality uh, when that one came out. I'd probably also uh, just quickly throw in uh, Killer7, even though that was originally a GameCube game and they did make a PlayStation 2 port. That's where I played it. Wacky, weird game, but if you want something that's kind of way out there but still interesting, give Killer7 a shot. Um, I don't think you'll you'll regret it. Um, also, you know, there were some fantastic shooters that came out on PlayStation 2, so I can't. I can't leave out Castle Shikigami 2, uh, and also Gradius 3 and 4, and mm. Gradius 5. So um, I'd probably be silly if I didn't bring those things up. <laughs> but uh, there's also a lot of other great ones, too. But I want to make sure I plugged those games. So that's some of my honorable mentions. Nice, man. Some good choices all around. I, I love the you mentioning the Gradius games, and Castle Shikigami is one that... I'm still looking for uh, in my collection, so good call. I know where a, gar- a garbage-looking copy is if you want one. <laughs> mm, maybe. Let's talk. Yeah, there's one at the local retro store. It's, uh, I think, no manual, and the cover is water-damaged, but mm. 
I can let you know. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, even being like a PC guy or PC gamer, I never really got into the MMO scene uh, like one little bit. I've probably tried a couple MMOs like two or three times. And even like something like Destiny, uh, you know, like an MMO-ish console game, um, I just I just can't really get into. So it's interesting to hear your experience with the Final Fantasy XI, uh, which, you know, I always kind of like... At the time, I was like, okay, Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine, ten, and it was like the first Final Fantasy in seven that like I you know hadn't played like right you know kind of when it came out, and I was like, am I a bad Final Fantasy fan for not wanting to you know like keep the streak going with eleven? But no. at the end of the day, we, we talk about yeah, we talk like gaming regrets. It's like nope, no regrets. I didn't play that jam. It wasn't for me. I'm glad I didn't play yeah, it. Yeah, no, uh, it's his own little monster. It's you know that game is still running. Yeah. You can still subscribe to that game. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that game is now like what, 16 years old or something? Yeah. Can't 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 subscribe to SegaNet anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I did. I was a SegaNet uh subscriber and then like when they went under, they were like I got a letter in the email. They're like, "Hey, you're now bill at earthlink.net. <laughs> so it's like, "Oh, I love my Sega.net email address." What a shame. So all right, uh, let me go through. Uh, I you know, we talked about a lot of them, but I'll go through just a handful of mine that uh, we haven't uh, uh, touched on yet, and uh, then we'll get uh, right to the uh, the tops. Um, I gotta mention Hot Shots Three. Uh, it actually wasn't a game that I was uh, a super big fan of. My sister loved Hot Shots Three, so I would come home and the PlayStation wouldn't be on the like everyone's TV, and I was like, uh, let me guess. So I'd go up into her bedroom, and sure enough, there it was, you know, with the AVs plugged in the front of her little. 13 inch TV in there. Um, she loved it. So eventually, like, she loved it so much. So I was like, okay, I got to see what's so great about it. And then I started playing it and I really enjoyed it. It's no Outlaw Golf, but uh, the Hot Shots games are very good. And three is the one that we played the most. It does have this weird, like, bug sound, like, <laughs> like crickets, like, bug uh, sound? bugs. Yeah. Like, you'll be like, if you, like, just walk away from the game to get a drink or something for a second, you'll think there are crickets in your room because <laughs> they don't sound like they're coming from the television. They sound like, they're like throwing their cricket voices. Um, so if that happens to you, it's, it's the game. It's not you. Um, gotta mention Gran Turismo 4. Uh, I know I already mentioned Gran Turismo 3. That was in the, the launch bundle. Um, Gran Turismo 4 is a game that I hadn't played a Gran Turismo game forever. I wasn't actually really into the console gaming scene at the time. I was working at Circuit City. Uh, and I didn't even know Gran Turismo 4 was coming out. I just walked over to the, the new game section and there was a big standee of Gran Turismo 4 and I got flashbacks of how great 3 was. So I was like, you know what? Maybe this will get me back into, you know, playing console games. So I bought Gran Turismo 4, played the hell out of it like I do with every Gran Turismo game, uh, when they first come out. Uh, so there's not, there's not really a lot to talk about. It's a Gran Turismo game. It's like all the Gran Turismo games. Uh, feel like racing realistic racing you'll probably like it but it is very grindy so take that for what it's worth uh we talked about eco briefly um gotta mention it uh, again from uh you know uh, team eco eventually uh, shadow of colossus and last guardian that we talked about earlier um it's a really interesting uh, uh game that came out extremely early in the playstation's life cycle i i didn't look this up before the show but i remember it coming out before the system did but i could be mis misremembering that 
uh, it's it's a really really interesting game where it's uh, you're you're basically you have no weapons. You kind of like are taken to this castle by a group of people. Nothing's really explained to you. It's kind of like tribal and like you know like Aboriginal uh, uh, in nature. And you end up you know finding that there's a girl, a prisoner in this place with you. So you have to like the two of you escape, and they're like these shadow creatures. And again, no weapons. So you just have to grab sticks and light them on fire and move the shadow people back. Uh, really, really uh, uh, interesting. And now that it's available in a, uh, uh, a re-release on the PlayStation 3, um, you could play it that way. And it's pretty inexpensive, actually, on the PS2 if you'd rather play it there uh, as well. Um, I And no one's mentioned these yet. I don't know if, if you guys ever played them. The Prince of Persia Sands of Time games? I heard of them. I've not played them. Yeah, I Oof. have them on I mean, Xbox, actually, the original Xbox. So I didn't think about them when making this list. Uh, that's a really great point. There's actually a ton of games, because I was a bigger Xbox guy at the time than I was a PS2 guy, so there's a lot of games that came out for both systems that I don't associate with PS2 because I play it on right. Xbox, and that's a really, really, really great point. Like like Castlevania Lament of Innocence or whatever it was called, mm. I played it on Xbox, or Curse of Darkness uh, was another one. Uh, that's a great point. But yeah, uh, uh, the Prince of Purchase Sands of Time games where I remember they came out and I had no interest in Prince of Persia and I started reading some reviews and it was like, oh, nines, 9.5s, 10s. And I'm like, are you kidding me for Prince of Persia game? And then I played, uh, uh, I played the first one and I was like, oh, this is awesome. So Prince of, I, I have it down here as the Prince of Persia Sands of Time trilogy because it was the Sands of Time. Then it was the two thrones and then the warrior within, uh, so the, the three, you know, games that kind of make up that, that story arc. And then, uh, later on, you had the, uh, the, the game that was just called Prince of Persia, which was the, the, you know, the Xbox 360 one that Nolan North uh, provided the, uh, the voice for. Um, but the Prince of Persia Sands of Time games, wherever you play them, are fantastic just with their, a uh, simple time rewind mechanic that's limited to the number of uh, uh, you know sands that you've collected in your dagger of time, and a really not terribly awful movie with Jake Gyllenhaal uh, based on that property. Uh, so uh, yes, yeah, so check those out. They're really not good. terrible. Um, <laughs> what a thumbs up! I, yeah, <laughs> good endorsement. Not terrible. That's it's as good an endorsement as that movie deserves. <laughs> I saw that movie in a drive-in theater after Toy Story 3. So wow. that's, that's my experience with that. Yeah, right. So, um, Sean already mentioned it. Tony Hawk 3 is the best thing. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm glad we agree I, on that. I did. Oh man, I didn't get into Tony Hawk 1 until it came out on the Dreamcast because as a Dreamcast believer, I wasn't going to go support Sony PlayStation 1 at the time. Um, but when Tony Hawk came to the Dreamcast, I was like, whoa, like now you see what all the PlayStation people have been like, you know, uh, uh talking about the whole time. I was a huge fan right from the start. And then Tony Hawk 2X came out on the original Xbox, like a, a remake of 2. And that was awesome. So then when three came out, you know, I got three, uh, uh, and I ended up just ended up getting it on uh, PlayStation two. Tony Hawk three is a revelation. It's just everything that makes the, the game great with enough tweaks and enhancements to improve it, but, to, but not to change it away from what made it great in the first place. Um, I also really did like four, but it's, it's just not three. Um, so Tony Hawk three, absolutely. If you're a Tony Hawk fan and haven't played three, it'll blow your mind. And this one just only narrowly missed my top five. Um, similar to Sean, uh, I played this game 
to death. If you could wear out a laser or wear out a disc, this would be one that I did. And I got to tell you, I wasn't crazy about Metal Gear Solid 2 like the uh, when you first played it because the big twist and we've gone long enough that the spoilers can be you know out the window the 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 demo came out and like all the all the you know the the media for the game that came out was like okay snake 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 the same, the guy you played last time snake 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 so what what as it turns out the end of the demo uh is the end of when you're playing a snake uh, for for the most part so basically like you get the real game you finally uh. you know like you waited all this time and then you're not snake anymore and you're like for a while you're like okay i'm going to be this guy for a little while and then i'll be snake <laughs> <Right>. again <laughs> so and the thing is i did, i like to go in fresh so i didn't you know look up you know like uh, any stories or any read any reviews so like i'm just playing and playing and playing and i'm like you know after like you know a few hours i'm like this is the game I'm playing, is it? So uh-huh. it it, it kind of took you off guard a little bit, but like, you know, when you really kind of step back and, and look at it as a whole, and when I say a whole, I mean like, you know, the story of the franchise, the story of the series, kind of like, you know, like where everything ended up going. When you, when you step back and look at it and just really how great the game is and like how weirdly fantastical the story is and how like, you know, just oddly appealing it was like that, this fat man, this explosives expert on rollerblades <laughs> that like you're somehow taking seriously. Uh, it, it's, I got to the point like where the switch was just flipped and I was like, I love this game. And I played Metal Gear Solid 2 over and over and over again. And I don't usually do that with games. There's really only a handful of games that I, I've loved that I do that much. So Metal Gear 2, while I didn't love it first, eventually, once it clicked, I was like, oh, and then I was, and then I was just play through it again just for fun. I was like, you know, pointing the, I was like scaring, I would, I would grab guys, I'd point my gun at them, you'd scare them into like giving up items or giving up info or whatever. Like once you got really good at it, it changed the game. So, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, and I know everyone says three is like the best game in the series. I've tried it a few times. I just I can't get it to click with me. I don't know if it's in the cards for me, but love, 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 love too. Wow, there you go. Awesome. Yeah. So there, those are all all very honorable. I would say <laughs> everything we've we've gone through has as the but but you know there's only five games or up to fifteen I guess <laughs> that can have the most honor. <laughs> yeah. So Sean. Yeah. Sean, do you have an announcement for number five? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> what am I announcing? Jeez, you're putting me on the spot here. Drum roll, please. <laughs> no, well, first I want to say that I'm glad you mentioned uh, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus because that would have been on my list, except I totally forgot about them because I played them on the PlayStation 3. So good call on that. And mm. I just want to throw in... Every like all of us, I mentioned Grand Theft Auto Three earlier, but also like Grand Theft Auto Three, Vice City, and San Andreas are three of the greatest mm. open world games of all time. And they, you know, they Grand Theft Auto Three debuted on the PlayStation Three, and you know that we, they have to be mentioned. Um, but anyway, my number sure. five is from a. It's kind of an obscurity. Uh, it's from a series known as Zete Zetsumi Toshi, which in the U.S. is known as Disaster Report. So there's a game called Disaster Report, and its sequel is called Raw Danger on the PlayStation 2. And what this is, it's kind of survival horror without the horror. It's basically a survival game in a natural disaster. You find yourself... Uh, 
in a situation after an earthquake where you have to survive and it's an inventory puzzle kind of game, but then there's also these way ahead of their time kind of dialogue situations with Mass Effect-ish uh, dialogue trees that are really awesome, really ahead of their time. This game was published by IREM really early mm-hmm. in the PlayStation 2's uh, lifespan. And it's so... there. It's an amazing game that's kind of held together with duct tape. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's just like there's so many things going on. And it's just an amazing experience. There's collectibles. There's different hats you can wear and different... You have a compass in your... But like the bottom right corner of the screen. And you can change the compass as you go through the game and collect different compasses. And what's really cool about this game, it has an interesting history... Um, the first two came out and, and everything was fine. They made a third one that did not come out in America. It was only re- released in Japan on the on the PSP, actually. I tried to get my hands on it a long time ago, and it's just shot up in price. So I, I don't even have it even to import it. And they, they tried to make a fourth one, and it was set to come out a day before that the um, earthquake and tsunami that happened in Japan in 2011. So they canceled the game. But now it turns out the original developer has purchased the IP. He's not with with IREM anymore. He's with his own company. So he purchased the IP and they're actually set to release this game, uh, which is basically Disaster Report 4, on the PlayStation 4. So hmm. I really hope that this comes out, and I really hope that it comes out and is localized in North America. But it, but but anyway, getting back to the the PlayStation Two versions, these are really cool games, and if you can find them, you're in for a really unique experience. Huh? I, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it's I, I just with that first one on there, I'm really looking forward to this list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy pick. That sounds that sounds awesome. Yeah, disaster report. Yeah, they're really neat. You you guys should check them out. And I think people are into like hidden gems and a little bit like off the radar kind of games. Mm. Like there's there's nothing more like that, you know, for the PS2. So right. yeah, check them out. So so when you say so when you say there's a lot of hats you can wear, do you mean that there's a lot of roles that you can uh, you know be taking on, or there is literally a hat? menu where you can choose a different hat now, if to I'm, wear. If I'm remembering correctly, now I, I'm not sure if I'm rem- remembering the hat thing right and I did intend to say like literally hat you, like a costume, cosmetic thing. <laughs> I know I'm right on the right. compass thing because I remember collecting different compasses and I know there's costume uh, options and I'm pretty sure it's based on like hats. So yeah, it's not like... <laughs> different jobs you, you have to do at your job like we all wear different hats around yeah. here yeah <laughs> that's what i thought you were saying and i was like maybe there's a hat menu <laughs> oh that's great all right that's well that's a solid start so uh so chris do you want to give us uh, the number five and remember there have been uh you know Oh, there's only one uh, Dark Souls uh, universe option that you have here. <laughs> I, you know what? People are going to surprise people. Is I'm not going to include Kingsfield in this in this <laughs> list at all. Um, while I think Kingsfield games are interesting, and I see their you know the start of those ideas, 
I don't think they're great. <laughs> great games. <laughs> they don't play very well, but I like the ideas behind them. Uh, no, my number five, I'm going to try to use my list somewhat kind of like what Sean's doing. Not all of them, though, because some of them have to be, mm -hmm. I think, you know, things I really feel. But for a couple of these mm -hmm. lower picks, I want to bring attention to a couple games I do think are good. And this first one is um, Pinball Hall of Fame, the Gottlieb Collection. Um the Pinball Hall of Fame was a series of games that came out where there are these, um, you know, recreations of major pinball games from, um, you know, major pinball companies. And they kind of span a long variety of time. So they will go all the way from like very classic pinball machines from like the 60s all the way up through, you know, the 80s and 90s. Uh, and they just give you these virtual pinball tables, and they you, give you some information about the virtu the pinball table. Um, you can check out the pinball table. There's like little goals and things that you can try to make. Um, of course, there's like score things. It kind of teaches you how to play that pinball machine. So like, here's what these targets do, and if you want this bonus, you got to do this and. And so it gives you like this big presentation and there's like a virtual arcade you walk through to get to the games to play them. And uh, this is kind of the first of that series. And the other ones came out on the the next generation stuff. So you could get them on like PlayStation 3, uh, like Wii and 360. But um, Gottlieb Collection, I want to say it got a Wii release, but it didn't get like a 360 or PS3 release. Um and there's a lot of, I think, really good Gottlieb pinball machines that are represented on that machine that are fun to play. So uh, it's kind of a nice way uh, to play those games. The company that did that later went on to um, not only do more Pinball Hall of Fame games, they now have a company that – I don't remember the name of it, um, but they still do that. They still sell – I can't remember the name of the product, but you can still buy it. And they release tables like all the time for this thing. So that's kind of what they're known hmm. for. Um, but not not pin, not pinball effects. No, because those are fake tables. Okay. Uh, there's another right. company. Um, I think it used to be called like Zen Pinball or something, but they changed the name. It's not called that anymore. I can't re I can't remember. Uh, but anyway. Uh, this was kind of their first real shot, and they did it very, very well, and that's how they kept continuing doing the stuff even up to to now. Up to now, uh, that you can get these things. So, uh, a good, high quality reproductions. The physics are right. The games play correctly, um, and they're well done. So, if you want a shot at playing some virtualized pinball tables from Gottlieb. Um, I can't recommend this enough, and it's generally very cheap. So it's kind of one of those can't-go-wrong kind of games. Very cool. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm obviously familiar with the, uh, the company Gottlieb, but like, it's, it, you know, unlike Rich or like other, you know, pinheads or guys who were just into pinball, I, you know, like with games, we can point to Metal Gear and everybody who's in the hobby knows, okay, Konami. Or you can point to Street Fighter and everybody knows Capcom. So like for me... I can't look at a pinball machine or hear the name of a pinball machine and know, oh, these guys made it, or the, or, you know, it was Williams or it was Gottlieb or it was, you know, whoever. So it's interesting to uh, be able to look back at some of those collections and kind of know, like, you know, these were all of, you know, their machines. Yeah, I went back and looked real quick. Farsight Studios is the name of the company, and I would have to do a little research, but you could Google it yourself. They still, again, they still make um, 
software that does that for modern machines and everything else, even your phones, that you can play these pinball machines on. So it's pretty cool to see where they started, and they did it's fantastic. Nice. Unless you want the Oculus version, and they will not be supported uh, without massive amounts of horsepower. I did send a tweet out um, about that the other day that I thought that's one thing in VR that I think would be actually really awesome is your own like arcade and pinball totally. machine. Totally, that would be cool. Totally, yeah. And you no, could I, actually tilt the pinball just, machines. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Yep. Just, I just, I would just love to put it on and walk into an arcade. Yeah, like a 1980s like, oh. arcade, like totally recreated yep. in, in virtual reality. Like, like complete with like uh, the street toughs. Oh yeah. Who, like you know they all they all hang around and like they just want to beat you up and take your money if you can. Okay, buddy, you got to beat me and you know wouldn't that be awesome? Like you, to get like all these different you know game manufacturers to agree to it, but like you basically have to go through the arcade and like you know beat like punks who like are trying to like take your lunch money at like all these like oh you got to beat them in joust now you got to beat them in Pac Man now you got to beat them in Street Fighter you know so like. There's a good idea for a game somewhere in yeah, there. Yeah, the cigarette dangling out of their mouth and you know, <laughs> the whole thing. With the, pa- with the pack wrapped up in the uh, T-shirt uh, shoulder. <laughs> so uh, it could be so cool. So without uh, digressing too much uh, more, um, I guess we should uh, uh, move right on to uh, my number five or else we'll be here until 3 <laughs> a.m. Uh, Eastern time. Uh, so uh, uh, very much like uh, Sean, I'm going to go off the radar uh, with this pick with Gran Turismo 3. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, nobody's heard of that one. Yeah. My picks are going to be super boring because they are all games that a billion people have heard about, but they are the ones that I spent so much time and had so much fun uh, fun with. Gran Turismo 3, first Gran Turismo game uh, on the uh, PlayStation 2, or uh, at the time, you know, the next generation. Um, You know, everything, like... The PlayStation 1, there was an awful lot of power that was, like, you know, squeezed out of that little machine for a long, long time. So, like, early PlayStation 1 games versus late PlayStation 1 games are, like, they look like different systems. Like, like throw in, if you can find, like, online video of, like, Battle Arena Toshinden uh, on the PlayStation 1 versus, like, what Gran Turismo 2 was able to do. But, yeah, I was super excited about the visuals, um, the frame rate. The, uh, you know, just like being able to get in another Gran Turismo game. And like every Gran Turismo game, you fire it up and you're like, hey, this game isn't as good as the last Gran Turismo game. But the problem is because all you can drive are Honda Civics when you first start a Gran Turismo game. So like you unlock the higher cars, you unlock, you know, like more, more tracks. There's a ton of great songs in the soundtrack for, uh, uh, for Gran Turismo 3, including some Stone Temple Pilots, some Cardigans. Uh, uh, 99 Red Balloons by a, a freaking Goldfinger was on there. It's, I, I mean, and when you play a racing game that only has like, you know, 20, 30 songs on it, you pretty much like, you know, all those songs. So I don't know how much more, I, I, you know, in the interest of saving time, everybody knows what Gran Turismo is. Gran Turismo 3 was, it, it was a, a massive moment in that series uh, for me, uh, anyways, in the first, uh, in a new uh, console generation. Uh, and the reason I bought the system in the first place. So, yeah, Gran Turismo three. Sean, you ever play Gran Turismo stuff? Yeah, you know, I I I'm not a huge racing game person in much in the way I'm not a huge fighting game guy, but I will play I will dabble in them, you know, especially a game like Gran Turismo, which is a really hardcore like simulation. Um I'm mm-hmm. I never got super into them, but of course they've always been you know, in the ether, and I've known about them, played them, dabbled in them. Not a huge fan, but I I got nothing against them. 
Yeah, what always intimidated me was like you had to get licenses to drive like whatever class and yeah. stuff. So Yeah. Um, I like Forza, but Gran Turismo is just a little too deep for me. But uh I get it. I mean they were amazing at the time. Yeah. And you know what's weird is I'm not really a racing game fan at all. Like I'm not I'm not really a Forza guy, I'm not a Midnight Club guy, I'm not a Project Gotham guy. Like there's something about Gran Turismo, you know, it's just one of those things. And like I know the license tests, they bore a lot of people, they made people mad. I'm like, no, I'm I can do it better, I can do it better, I can do it better. And like what I found out is it actually made me the license test made me better at the game. So but yeah, I mean it's it's one of those series like uh, you know, just to kind of, you know, reverberated with or sorry, uh like resonated with me, uh, rather. So Yep, that's my five. Got it. So we'll uh, move on to uh, Sean with number four. Nice, cool. So I'm going to go with an action RPG that was developed by TriAce and published by Square Enix, and that is Radiata Stories. Um, yeah. Yeah, this game. So TriAce is really, I. they're one of my favorite developers. And then TriCrescendo, which kind of broke off from TriAce, made one of my favorite games of all time, which is Eternal Sonata for the 360 and PS3. Yeah. And that's what kind of led me back after I played Eternal Sonata to Radiata Stories. I've never played any of the Star Ocean games, but... Um, it's uh, noteworthy that TriAce also made Valkyrie Profile, which is one of yep. the most sought-after games on the PS1. I don't have a copy yet, but that's, I mean, that's a, like on the top of my wants list. I played the PSP port, and I absolutely loved that game. So they made Radiata Stories, which is basically like if you like Tales games and if you like Suikoden, it's like a blend of those two games. The... The combat system is action-oriented, it's in real time, and there's this really cool mechanic where your party members are kind of connected, and you can make like geographical shapes that will give you different effects based on if you trap an enemy in a square that you form with your four party members or whatever it is, you can get a different effect or more power in your attack. And it's all just like a Tales game. It's all very frantic and exciting. And then also you have this open world like recruiting mechanic. There's all these characters that you can have in your party. And the art style is very like watercolor it's colorful it's just such an amazing game in the middle of the game the game branches off between two paths you can choose to side with the humans or the non-humans which if you play the the game you'll understand the story the other thing is your character can go around just kicking everything and you can (laughs) (laughs) you can kick (laughs) characters and some of them will just say like hey stop that or some of them you can get in fights with or you can kick like a garbage can and get like an item out of it like it's it's just really funny you can run around kicking everything and the other thing I, I would just say if anybody wants to grab this game it's only like 15 or 20 bucks it's not super uh rare or valuable um i would say it's not a game that you can grind in it's not a hard game but you have to do some of the side quests to stay leveled. I, I actually, as much as I love this game, I fell into a trap where I was a little bit under leveled and it's not easy to grind your way out of being under leveled. So if you, if you want to play this game on my recommendation, please do and, and go check out, like do the side quests as you're going along. But yeah, Radiata Stories, great, great RPG on the PS2. 
It's funny, I bought that one for like a couple bucks when the PS2 was, you know, in its low point as far as, you know, game sales, uh, like after it was well did and before the price started climbing back up again. Um, and I had since have gotten rid of it, but it's funny that you think of that. I'm kind of curious. We don't have to get into it long now, but maybe at some point. Did you ever play Resonance of Fate? I haven't played it yet. I have it, and I've I've okay. heard it's very very difficult. That's the only thing that's kind of putting me off of it is that I've heard yeah. it's very complicated and difficult. Yes. So and that whole geometric shape thing is kind of uh, I mean not exactly like that, but there's okay. a system of battle that's kind of it reminds me of something like that. Anyway, you'll you'll see if you're played. Right. But we don't have to talk about it now, but yeah. Um. Cool. I guess me for number four. Yeah. Next. Yeah, it goes on to you for fun. I'm going to go with SOCOM, U.S. Navy SEALs. Um, wow. I didn't think anyone would ever say those words. No, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe Yeah. SOCOM. That should have been brought up by now, but that's cool. The uh, network adapter came out, and so did SOCOM. And uh, mm-hmm. you, with the box, you got the game and also a headset. And... I forgot that was bundled. Yeah, yeah, like a USB headset. So you could go through and play online and talk to people, which was like, at the time, whoa, you know, that was so (laughs) cool. Because it was like before, like Xbox Live was a big thing, was like SOCOM. Um, But I remember, and if I remember right, too, you could give commands, voice commands to your team in that. So you could, you know, give them some very simple voice commands. Um, as you were playing the game, because you're like the SEAL team that would go through and do things. Um, and I just, I mean, I don't know what to say. It's just, it's a shooter. It's probably not the best shooter in the world, but I, at the time, it was cool. I liked playing it, and it was cool to play online because you would, it was just this kind of simple deathmatch, but it had like a lot of stuff you could do. So you, know, you could use like explosive devices and set traps and mm-hmm. and you could you know go prone and you know try to get people so it was kind of new to me at that point in time because i didn't have a pc i wasn't playing those kind of games on pc i'm sure it's probably old hat for those folks but it was new for me so yeah um that's that's a that's a great one to bring up it really is i, I remember when the socom was just kind of coming out like i gave it a try and like it just really, and I, this doesn't, I don't mean for this to sound like a PC master race uh, type comment, but like I had already played so much, uh, you know, like Counter-Strike and Half-Life Deathmatch and Action Half-Life and, uh, you know, Quake 3 and Unreal Tournament. Like we, we already had kind of like, you know, what we, what we thought were the best versions of all those shooters. So then like, it seemed like the console crowd was like, okay, like we got to get into the tactical shooter on the console. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's so great. And then I tried SOCOM and I, I remember thinking, yeah, I mean, it's the best thing available on console, but like that wasn't saying too much at the time. But then once they evolved it with like the online play, I remember that being a big deal back then. Yeah, I think that's what eventually led me, you know, not too much of a tangent into really get into Rainbow Six Three. But, um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I mean, just SOCOM was, uh, again, for console, it was, it was just pretty cool. And, uh, sure. being able to get online and, and have these matches and, uh, and use your voice in a game, um, mm-hmm. was, I don't know. It was just kind of original. Oh, and I also remember too, this, I think was the first game where you could play in 480p. If you had, if Whoa. you had a TV that could do progressive scan. 
I remember, yeah, I remember, like, tr- like fighting with my TV to get it to, like, take the... Oh no, it's not that it's, it's okay. I have a component cable. Okay. What type? Okay. Y, P, B, P, R, P, C, C, Y. I was like, oh yeah, you had to tell it. Yeah. I remember playing this cause I had bought, uh, an HD tube and, uh, play, playing too. it in 480p, man. It was like, oh yeah. my God. Wow. But uh, my parents had a, the last tube they have that had, it was a Sony XBR. Yep, that's what I've, I've still got my widescreen yeah. HD tube. Still kicking. Yeah, five hundred, all five hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, <laughs> thing is a monster. But uh, yeah. yeah. So so so, Sean, ever any uh, SOCOM action in the uh, in the Sean household? No, it's it's crazy. I never got into it. I played <laughs> yeah. a game. There's a game on the Vita called Unit Thirteen, which, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to say something that's really wrong and stupid right here, but I think some of the developers we who do made it all the time. SOCOM. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of the developers who made SOCOM worked on that game, and that game is awesome. So, um, by proxy, I think I've played a little bit of SOCOM, but I was I was not into the original series. Yeah, I, n- I never got into. It. I just remember it being being a big thing, and and, and it did uh, it did have its uh, have its place in the, in the history there. So that was a, a good uh, curveball there, Chris. Oh, thank you, sir, and uh, up. For number four for you? Oh, is it me already? Already. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got Radiata stories. We got Rosocom. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, everybody who knows me knows I'm a big Burnout fan. And uh, uh, Burnout 3 Takedown, uh, I believe, was the turning point nice. for the series. Um, nobody cared about Burnout. Uh, as, as painful as it is to say it, like, it came out. People were like, oh, yeah, we appreciate it. It's good. No one cared about Burnout. Burnout 2 Point of Impact you know, like, same thing. Like, people are like, oh, we see that you guys have talent. It's really fun to play these games where you're, it's an arcade racer. You're, you know, really going really fast. Um, but it was weird. Like, you had to, like, gain points to, like, earn the letters of burnout in order to earn your burn, your boost speed and stuff. So it was like, uh, it, you had to be too good at the game for too long to be able to play the best part of the game. So it was like, all right, how do we fix this? In Burnout 3 Takedown, Okay, let's just give them a whole bunch of boost when they just mess up another car. <laughs> so you smash into another car and take them out of the race. Hey, congratulations, Bill. Here's a whole bunch of nitrous. Do it again. And Burnout 3 Takedown was absolutely the turning point in the series for me. Uh, uh, soundtracks are what they are. Like, you either love them or hate them, right? If it's like your kind of music, we talked about that on the Playcast thread with, uh, uh, with, uh, Life is Strange, but. You know, like my, my, you know, teenage self who like, you know, thought he was like, you know, into punk rock and like, you know, fast, uh, you know, like uh, aggressive music, kind of like Tony Hawk uh, style soundtrack. This soundtrack is phenomenal. Uh, all the Burnout soundtracks, I think, are phenomenal. But the coolest thing about Burnout, uh, Burnout 3 Takedown, is just every single thing you're doing in this game is fun. Like, you know, because like a lot of times in racing games, time trials are like, oh, this is stupid. I'm just trying to get a better time. It doesn't matter in Burnout because you're just having so much fun racing Burnout style. Like, it was kind of like how, like, uh, like, I'm not a fighting game fan, but I, but I like I like Street Fighter, so I'll play Street Fighter. I won't play other fighting games because I'm you know I just like Street Fighter. That's kind of how I'm with racing now. Like once I kind of fell out of the Gran Turismo, like the realistic kick, I'm not a fan of racing games. If someone's like, hey, I've got this brand new racing game, I got to tell you about it. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I don't like racing games. I only like Burnout. <laughs> it has separated itself so much from every other game that like that's the only car I want to drive is a Burnout car. 
They're so fun. They're so fast. They're, they're, you know, it's, you can crash, but it doesn't, it's not like super forgiving, but it's not super punishing. Uh, it's, uh, like it, the precursor to Burnout Paradise, which is the best, uh, 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 you know, I think driving game anyone's ever made, which I know is a bold statement, uh, is Burnout 3 Takedown. Revenge really was just Takedown 3. Point, you know, like 1.5, uh, or 3.5, whatever you want to call it, because it took that Takedown mechanic and it added your Revenge rival, so you had like one other guy you were going against. Still a great soundtrack, still, you know, similar type game, but man, oh man, Burnout 3 Takedown was what kind of made everyone go oh this is why your game is special keep doing this so burnout awesome <laughs> i've i've never played burnout what? but it sounds fun any of them Man, you have never it. played any of them <laughs> no oh, dude get either burnout paradise oh, or burnout three like like bill's talking about i've burnout heard i've heard paradise good yeah and Burnout Paradise, they have already announced, uh, uh, they had, like, not in so many words, but like, they have super teased that there's a new Burnout game coming out for next gen. And they've already announced on the official Twitter, and Microsoft's confirmed it, that Burnout Paradise is coming to backwards compatibility. So the only reason it hasn't happened yet or become official, I'm deducing with my, you know, uh, uh, crazy, uh, uh, detective power <laughs> that it's going to be a pre-order special or like, you know, included with the, you know, the, like kind of similar to like Fallout, how you got Fallout 3 when you bought 4. Yeah. When they announce their new game, it'll be, oh, you get Paradise, you know, when you pre-order. So, uh, but yeah, Paradise is, oh man, just, just one of those unbelievably refined, and perfect experiences that you just you just don't get that often, and you got to appreciate it when it happens. So, the paradise could be a whole show, but yeah, Burnout Three Takedown was the beginning of what made uh, you know Burnout special to me. If I come across cheap cheap copy, I'll check it out. Awesome. Oh, they're all cheap. Yeah. Well, that's good news. <laughs> cool. So yeah, a little bit of Burnout for Chris, and then uh, Sean's already on board, so uh, he knows what's good. <laughs> um, so that's that's that takes care of the fours. So what are we going to for three, Sean? All right. So first of all, this conversation is so awesome because this is I love it like that you brought up Burnout because it's not even on my list of honorable mentions, but it's like oh yeah, of course Burnout. Like uh, like I'm so glad <laughs> you brought it up. You know what I mean? But my my number three is. Um, it's something I don't have any notes under it. I just wrote down the name of the game and I, I have a reason for that. It's actually Silent Hill 3. Ah. So, <laughs> so I have, it's kind of crazy and I know there might be some Silent Hill purists that are going to want to get their pitch forks out. But I have this, <laughs> first of all, I think Silent Hill 3 is secretly the best game in the franchise. And also... I have this weird way of playing Silent Hill games where I print out a walkthrough, I hand it to my wife, and we sit on the couch together and she tells me what to do and we play through the games. And Silent Hill 3 was our favorite and I have like uh, definitely a nostalgia for when we played through it and it was originally a PS2 exclusive. It only came to different platforms when they made the HD re-release and it also came with a soundtrack CD which was really good and also... Um, not so much anymore, but it was kind of rare and valuable for a long time. So Silent Hill 3 has a lot of things going. It has, has a female protagonist. Like, It's a really good game. 
even if you play it kind of the cheating way that I did, but I, I have a lot of fun just kind of chilling with my wife and having her tell me what to do through a game. It's, but yeah, Silent Hill three, I think that's the best game in the franchise and that's my number three. So you mentioned pitchforks before. <laughs> do you think that the pitchforks now, I, now, so I've played Silent Hill one. I actually really, really liked it though. I didn't finish it because I'm not good at survival horror games. Um, are, so uh, for people like me who aren't, you know, in the Silent Hill forums, who are the pitchforks calling for as the best game? I would say I would say people would say either one or two. A lot of people say two. I would say okay. the consensus would be Silent Hill two, and then followed by okay. one, and then like the punk rock like you know dissonant choice is like Silent Hill three. That that's the camp I'm in. Okay. Never played more than a few minutes of Silent Hills either. So I, I played probably about half hour of Silent Hill one, and I went, "Whoa, this is too much for me." So yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. I'm, I'm telling you, I, that's why I'm, I'm like Silent Hill one. I couldn't tell if it was the the at it was definitely the atmosphere, oh my, but like it was the way limitations. Too I didn't know if it was a limitation of the system that the fog was everywhere that you couldn't see it or uh-huh. anything. That made it so freaky, but the point that I got to, like, the radio kind of had this enemy zero type vibe to it, where it was like the radio would, like, get more interference, like, uh. as something get closer to you, and I was like, no, 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 I wasn't happy playing it, right? And then you got to the school, and then there hit that, like, you know, somebody flipped that switch, we're like, okay, the school just went to, like, nightmare zone. Yeah. And I just never wanted to turn it back on i felt so scared about it so so sean you mentioned that you do it with a walkthrough with your wife is that because you don't want to be exploring you're trying to figure stuff out you just want to experience the story or what's the reason behind that great question the reason behind that is because i find the puzzles to be so freaking obtuse that there's i don't i don't understand Mm -hmm. how people play these games it's like Okay, you have to, first of all, go to this room, find the paperclip that's under the third floorboard, and bring the paperclip to the, the room upstairs, and then put it in the uh, laundry chute. Like, it's, it's just it's crazy. It's <laughs> obtuse as hell. So th- that's where we decided, like, well, we have these games in our collection. Let's just play through them and beat them. You know what I mean? So that's what we decided okay. to do. And it's been super rewarding. Like, I love it. It's a cool experience. So you really like the story of these games, just not the uh, the baggage. Yeah, definitely, and the aesthetic, the characters, okay. uh, absolutely. Cool. I, you know what? If I can, uh, if I can, maybe make this a family event. Maybe get uh, the wife and kids involved. Maybe we can finish uh, a couple Silent Hill <laughs> there games. You go. Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> Yeah, let All me know right, what so, Sarah thinks yeah. about your idea. Well, everybody likes you know, like scary movie night once in a while. Like maybe she'll be into it, but <laughs> she won't. So I'm sure your okay. boys she, will get past the emotional scarring at some point. Yeah, once uh, yeah, maybe once they get a little bit older, we'll see. We'll see if they can handle it. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, definitely a good pit. And same thing, like same comment you had before. Like it's so cool having conversations about uh, PlayStation Two because like someone will just mention something and you're like, ah. Of course. <laughs> of course you have to talk about Silent Hill. And it wasn't even yeah. on the list, so awesome. All right, so that's number four for Sean. Number, or Sorry, number three for Sean. Number three for Chris. Uh, Red Faction. I'm going to go with the original Red nice. Faction. Good one. Um, wow, the Ridge. 
Yeah, uh, because it had this environments and all. Yeah, it had this new system they called the GeoMod engine, and it was you could yeah. blow up anything. And Asterisk. Yeah, pretty much. But you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, do you want uh, to go through the wall? Blow holes in the wall. You can go yep. right through it, and uh, it's a just to most degrees you could so mm-hmm. that was kind of the gimmick is that you could use explosives of whatever type to blow chunks of rock out of you know wherever there was rock mm-hmm. um and like metal and stuff it wouldn't work but uh that was it and sometimes you would find like secret hidden places that you could go to and sometimes it was just to make it much more advantageous for you or like oh i kind of wish i could do just get over here and you know do it my way and and you could and, you know, to get this effect to come off, there was definitely some trade-off um, in the game itself. So, I don't... I, it's definitely not the best graphics of a PlayStation 2 game no. by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it looks a little rough for a PS2 game. But I think they probably had to do that just to leave enough RAM in there to figure out if you were blowing the crap out of different places and how to keep track of all that. And it did have some limitations. If you blew up too much stuff, it would have to start, you know, erasing the stuff you blew up to keep track of the new stuff. So there was only so much RAM. Um, And so it could make itself noticeable if you stayed in one area and just tried to keep blowing stuff up. It would, you'd become apparent that, okay, well, now it's repairing these things as I make more holes over here. Mm. But I mean, at least just for the audacity of trying something like that so the idea of red faction is that you're on mars and i don't remember the whole story but you're basically like a worker on mars and there's like a revolt and you join the revolt or whatever uh and it's a shooter it's a first person shooter it's nothing revolutionary Uh, it had some kind of interesting and unique weapons but again like the whole shtick was this Geomod engine and then being able just to car- carve holes through walls or, or do whatever. Because that was always a thing. You, you play these games, you think like, I just took a rocket launcher, shot at that wall, and it's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like, I, oh, yeah. here's a door that's in the way. I could so easily just take my gun out and blow through the door. But no, somehow it's impenetrable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I was working at Funko Land when this game came out. Yeah. And we opened up a copy. We put it in the Samsung GX TV that we had <laughs> on the uh, counter right there. And we loaded it up and we just started blasting at the wall, like in the intro area. And yeah. it's like, we're breaking it. We're breaking it. And what we found out is like, we would always run out of ammo before we got anywhere, you know, consequence. So like, we didn't end up using that, uh, you know, that tactic as much. But, uh, uh, I actually didn't play a ton of the game. Um, I know there's been like, you know, a handful more Red Faction games uh, since this one. Um, uh, but I don't know if this game was what killed THQ or if that was other things, but, uh, uh, there's enough of them out there that people, uh, you know, people are into them. Um, so, so as someone who's played it, can I ask you, is there ever a time that you need to wrap a wet towel around your head? Uh, no, and there's no quatos either. Is, so, the, is, so are you already on Mars, or is there at some point where you're you have already to get your ass to Mars? You, you don't have to. <laughs> no, you're already you're already on Mars. There's also no gates to hell on Mars, and no demons. Oh man, um, are, is there uh, uh, for a good time? You do look there's, for, ask for there's Melina, no thre- there's no three breasted women in the game, unfortunately either. 
Were there any Total Recall references in the game? Because how could you not? I don't remember any Total Recall. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, no. It's like a prime opportunity for those right. things. But I'm guessing right. they didn't want to get sued. <laughs> so yeah, they steered clear it, of that. It would have been cool. You find like the little like a uh, little like handprint of that like that button that like releases oh, all the oxygen. Right. All or the oxygen. <laughs> or yeah, or just Total Recall. Uh, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen you know the 30 year old movie. Or I totally like I bugged out, you know, yes. Schwarzenegger head. <laughs> they oh, redid man. Total Recall though. I never watched the remake. Uh, man, I mean, I'm usually per- like I'm more lenient with than most people as far as movie remakes. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. Uh, the Total Recall remake is easily one of the worst things I've ever seen remake or not. Okay, I have to ask this question: Is it worse or better than the RoboCop remake? <laughs> You know what? I'm not even joking with you. But like as I was saying that sentence in my head, I was thinking that's the only other thing that's close. So the robo. So really, probably my favorite remake of all time is the Jeff Goldblum The Fly. Uh, yeah, good choice. Uh, but yeah, no the RoboCop the RoboCop remake oh, and no. the uh, uh, Total Recall remake are you know it's it's and it's weird that the two worst remakes of all time are both Paul Verhoeven movies. <laughs> he was hard up for some cash. It must just, have been right. So, yeah. but but yeah, the uh, oh man, man is it is the, the the what's his name Colin Farrell? Yeah. Oh, is it is it ever bad? And the Did thing that is, kill his career. <laughs> man, it was. He hasn't I mean, been anything he, for a while, has he? He was in In Bruges. I don't know if that was that was before that though. I think. Yeah, I think he um, was had. What was that phone booth movie that kind of propelled him? Right. I actually really like that movie a lot. And speaking of what Sean's point earlier, why uh, uh, Disaster Report? What was it? Four got uh, uh, canceled right, or delayed? Right. Yeah. Um, because of the events. Um, that movie. You guys remember the sniper in DC? Oh yeah. Yes. That was like just shooting random people. Uh, phone booth was supposed to come out like. A year before it did, but like it was supposed to come out right around the time of the DC sniper incident, so they pushed it back. Wow! Um, but yeah, that that movie, I love Phone Booth. Him and uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good movie. So so yeah, uh, uh, Sean, any uh, uh, Red Faction uh, time in uh, over in your land or not really your jam? No, yeah, I was into that. Um, I don't have it in my collection, but I owned it a long time ago, like when I first got a PS2. And I kind of remember, like, you guys are saying the same thing, like, oh, you can destroy the wall. So you destroy the wall for, like, 10 minutes or whatever. And it's like, wait, you really can't get through here. You actually have to trigger the door opening or whatever it is. So it's, yeah, very similar experience. And and, uh, it's worth mentioning, like, the later sequels are, are pretty good, like Red Faction Guerrilla. Everybody kind of loves that game for the, uh, you know, seventh console generation, 360 and PS3. Uh, that's a really good game. Right. So, yeah, Red Faction, yeah. good call, man. Yeah, cool. Guerrilla, I, th- I think, is probably, like, like you said before with, with Silent Hill 2, Guerrilla is probably the one that if you pulled all the fans, they'd probably say that's the favorite. Um, I know Armageddon had a little bit of a following in there, too. And for anyone interested in picking up Red Faction just as, like, a piece of, you know, gaming history, that's, that's a really easy to find, really inexpensive game, I would, uh, yeah. I would wager, no, no matter where you are. So, yeah, good call. Super cheap. Have some fun for a half hour. You're yeah. good. And then stocking stuffer for your niece. I actually played all the way through that game, but you know that's me. <laughs> nice. All right. So very good. So that's number three for Chris. So yeah. Is it, What's up, is Bill? It, 
So back to me. All yeah. right. So you got you guys knew it was coming. I'm, gonna, I'm just, just gonna drop it right here. Oh. <laughs> I love, I love, love, love that lo- Kingdom Hearts too. Oh, here we go. Oh. Uh, I'm 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 not gonna you know like uh, uh you know go on it uh, too long. Uh, King. Everyone knows what Kingdom Hearts is. If you don't know what Kingdom Hearts is, Kingdom Hearts is a game that uh, Disney and Square Enix uh, made. It, was it Square Soft at the time or Square Enix? I can't remember. I think it was I Square think it was- Soft. Yeah, right? I, th- I think you're right. I think it was. Yeah, it, it definitely was SquareSoft because uh, uh, now that I'm like thinking of the uh, the box art, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was definitely SquareSoft, and uh, uh, it was a so Disney and Square, um, you know, made this game. Uh, uh, to, it was, ma- it was ba- mainly Square making the game. Like, hey, can we use some of your characters? It's a really cool idea. Um, it actually, like, to me. Kingdom Hearts 1 wasn't like as Disney-ish as I kind of thought it would be. It was really more like the Square characters, and like you're kind of like in the world of the other characters. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 is one of these just, you know, special experiences for me that like, and we talked about it before about like, you just want someone to experience the thing that you experienced and like, you know, cared about so deeply or like loved so much. Kingdom Hearts 2, like, just for some reason, like, wherever I was in my life at the time when I played it, it really, really emotionally hit me very hard. Like, harder than most games do, especially games that, like, aren't, like, realistic or, like, don't have characters that, like, you can relate to. Like, you're looking at, like, you know, Donald and Goofy and stuff, and, like, you're having, like, emotional reactions to things. But uh, the the love between uh, Sora and uh, Kyrie, uh, the friendship uh, between uh, the three of them, and how much that friendship is tested and how much you're unsure of yourself and how much you're, you, 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 a part of you is lost when you, uh, when you, when you go between, uh, places and you know that, that part of you is still there, but like it's gone, you know, and like knowing that you're about to be erased, like there's so many, like, you know, big, like, uh, uh important themes in it that just like, if you sit and think about them, they're just so sad and I don't know, you know, what it was about this game that like really, really hit me really hard. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's a Disney game. So like, it's, uh, uh, you know, you've got Mickey and you've got Donald and you're doing all this, you know, kind of like action RPG leveling up and you're going between worlds, but there's such a heartfelt story in there. And that's really what I connected with the most. So, uh, you don't need to play, uh, Kingdom Hearts one to play Kingdom Hearts two. I mean, it certainly helps if you've kind of gone through the story, but, you get a nice little recap uh, uh, in two, but uh, uh, beautiful, beautiful music. Uh, very, you know, very touching, very beautiful story. Um, and if they can get their act together and just give me a Kingdom Hearts 3 instead of just like 900 <laughs> in between. Like, at this point, there's been more Kingdom Hearts compilations than actual Kingdom Hearts uh, releases. And there's another one coming up this year on PS4. Oh, my goodness. So if nice. someone can just make Kingdom Hearts 3 come out sooner, that'd be great. But Kingdom Hearts 2 uh, uh, affected me way more than I thought it would for the type of game it was. So big, big, big fan. I've also never played a Kingdom Hearts game. Oh, nice. We we did Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts 1 for the community playthrough uh, a little over a year ago. And I... I had mixed feelings about the game, and I obviously, if you want to go listen to the podcast, we expound upon that. But I've always wanted to play Kingdom Hearts too. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So, yeah. it's, it's, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I have I have mixed feelings about the first one as well. So it's uh, you're you're definitely not alone on that. And as a series fan, I'll say that um, you know there are there are long 
parts of like story drag and uh you know uh, like to go off your your silent hill observation of obtuse puzzle solving mm-hmm. you know there, there's there's areas where okay i guess i haven't spoken to the right you know uh you know mushroom hanging off the wall so i can't advance the story yet so a lot, a lot of the uh, the quirks like that were fixed in two but but yeah, I mean the the complaints about one are completely valid, uh, and and two is a a much more refined beast. It, se- it seems like they figured out what they had, uh, you know, with with two. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's uh it's you know, it, it's it, I would imagine it'd be a tough game to do a community playthrough for because it's not you know it's not an overly a, you know terribly short game. Right. Yeah. We we do have to look at that. Like game length, it plays into our decisions a lot, but. Right. Yeah, I could always play it on my own time. So, <laughs> yeah, um, spare time. What's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, y'all want to hear my number two? Let's hear uh, it with bated breath. <laughs> 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 All right, so cool. This one I'm really excited about. My number two is Yakuza Two. Oh, uh, so I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, so the Yakuza series, oh my god, it's one of my favorite franchises in video games just in general. There are there's so many mainline entries, there's all these side stories. A lot of them haven't gotten localized, but there's like a million of them in Japan. They're they've carried all the way into the PS3. Now there's PS4 games coming out, but it all started on the PS2 with uh, the original Yakuza, which got localized and actually got an English dub, um, which is a great game. But then Yakuza 2 is kind of like the Empire Strikes Back of a Yakuza. It's that quote-unquote dark middle chapter. and So the good one. Is yeah, it? <laughs> no, I, and, and I, I agree with you, and I say that, you know, the first one was really good, but the second one was even better. Like, it has a love story. It involves... Um, well, I should say, like, all the Yakuza games revolve around this um, character named Kazuma Kiryu. And he is basically this, like, anti-hero who is part of the Yakuza, but he's, like, a good guy, kind of, you know what I mean? And it's it's the the second game in the series, which was localized but not dubbed into English. So you're watching... Um, your cutscenes are voiced in Japanese and you have to watch them with subtitles. It's very like, it was very exotic at the time, you know what I mean? And um, it's just an open world, like brawler with RPG elements. A lot of people compare it to Grand Theft Auto and that drives Yakuza fans crazy because it. it <laughs> I'm just going to go on the record, like many people have, it is nothing like Grand Theft Auto. Uh, people say that because it's an open world game, but there you never jack a vehicle and drive around. It's it, you're always on foot. But what makes a game cool is that it's very Japanese. I mean, it pl- it takes place in Tokyo and Osaka, and you can do all these side quests, and you can actually manage a host club. You can do karaoke. You can do you know. I, I don't want to like confuse which games, but there was like batting cages and, you know, driving ranges and all this, all these crazy side things that you can do. Now, let me, let me ask a question. Go ahead. Can, can you drive a forklift? Enough. No, and you know what's funny? <laughs> like, Bill brought up Shenmue before, and yeah, this yeah. game, I've always thought this, this is the game that we wish Shenmue was. Yakuza is the mm. game you wanted when you were playing Shenmue. 
Like it's yeah. a life simulator where you can actually do cool stuff. And, and everything you can do is fun. And there's just like this Japanese twist. It's on all the, the things that you do. It's, it's an amazing game. And I recommend the entire series to anybody who has access to it. But Yakuza 2 is my favorite game on, um, on the PlayStation 2 out of, uh, 1 and 2. It's actually crept up in price. I, I'm, it's kind of crazy. Um, I got my copy for like $12, like back in the day, but it's really crept up in price. It's like 80, 90 bucks for a complete copy. Wow. Now. wow. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, and it's funny. I was watching a, a review of it today, like a old, old one up review from when it launched. And they were like, Oh, if this is going to be a limited print run, grab a copy while you can, cause it's going to go up in price. So huh. whatever guy from one up said that he was totally right. So, but they did do a, a remaster, uh, on the PS3, but it only came out in Japan so far. Maybe one day we'll, we'll get it. But yeah, if you can get a, uh, uh, hand, get your hands on a copy. Yakuza Two is a freaking amazing game. Huh. You know, I've I've never heard anyone who's actually played a Yakuza game not say that it's one of the best things they've ever played. Like the, the, it's it seems like everybody knows it's good, and like there are people that are just like, eh, I don't I don't know if I want to fire that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's uh, I don't know if it's the setting or like 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 a billion people tell me, oh, you know, it's really good. Mafia is really good. And I own Mafia on Steam. I've never fired it up. And it's just one of the, you know, it's weird. It's one of those things. Like, uh, like there are people who swear by Yakuza. And uh, uh, I don't know what it is about it. I just, uh, you know, just like never had the urge to fire it up. But after hearing, you know, how great uh, you say it is, uh, it'd be great to have the opportunity. Yeah, it's very unique. Uh, totally an experience. Again, y- you're not going to get this from any other game. uh uh-uh. Yeah, I don't know what else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I um, uh, I'm not a big open world gamer kind of thing, but uh, yeah, like Bill was saying, I've heard nothing but praise for the Yakuza games. So cool! I had no idea it was that expensive, though. But uh, I either. have to wonder. I, I just, yeah, I just pulled up a price charting, and that's the only one. Like it's you know like uh, uh, Yakuza one twenty bucks. You use a three, twenty bucks. You use a four, fifteen bucks. Two, eighty-three complete. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it Makes seems wonder, to be the popular one. Since you can import PS3 games, no problem. I wonder if there's subtitles in the Japanese version. I don't know. Be curious. Hmm. Anyway, uh, cool. That's interesting to uh, cool, yeah. to hear about that one. I I would never have thought of that i mean i've just never played it but um i don't know if i've ever even heard people say hey like this is the top of the system um up next i don't i'll have to spend a lot of time talking about this because we primarily already have but uh my number two is got a war um nice just the idea of that brought the brawler back um Mm -hmm. it you know, the genre kind of really died to some degree after the 16-bit days um, in its heyday, and there had never been a very good 3D version 
that came out. Uh, they tried several times, and I'm like famously like what the Square Enix, the Brawler, or I guess it was just Square at the time. The Bouncer. Bouncer. That's yeah. it. Bouncer. Um, <laughs> that was on my. I started to make a list of games that didn't that like kind of like the unhonorable mentions. Yeah. <laughs> and the Bouncer is the only one I came up with. So I was like, I'm not going to make this list. But yeah, the Bouncer. Like, oh man, it was. It was what you said. It was a bad 3D brawler. Yeah, I remember like there was that, and there was like Fighting Force, and there was several attempts to do a mm-hmm. good job at bringing back this kind of action game. Mm-hmm. And uh, and God of War did it, and it did it really well. And being a fan of mythology anyway, um, you know, even though it's you know not a strict take on mythology by any stretch of the imagination, but. I mean, it's still fun to see something set in that era. I'm, you know, I'm old enough where I grew up um, with uh, when I was a kid watching the original Clash of the Titans, and um, that was like so cool to see some of those things kind of brought to life at that time. And I just kind of always like to read through that. So, kind of being in that world and that environment, uh, uh, you know, again, a liberal take on some of that stuff but that's fine it was fun uh and the powers that you would get were pretty cool right i mean i'm trying to remember if it was the original god of war or the second one but you had like the gorgon head where you could turn things to stone um like just that some really cool abilities that were very in line with that sort of stuff um but no i just i really got a kick out of it it was kind of grandiose in scale to a certain degree where you'd see like, you know, these huge gods or you would deal with and um no no, I was it was just kinda of a lot of fun. I really enjoyed God of War. So yeah, definitely that's my number yeah. two. We did we did talk about it a lot before, so I'll just reiterate, uh, you know, it, it it's it's a, you know, system defining game for me. Like it's it's what I associate, you know, with the, the system more than almost any other you know, franchise on uh, uh, on the PlayStation 2, deservedly or not. Um, and it really is one of the only games in that genre that I, I still really, really love. So, yeah, can't can't fault you. God of War 1, God of War 2, incredible, you know, button mashing of, uh, you know, opening <laughs> doors and uh, ch- opening chests aside. Uh, very, very uh, respected on my list as well. Yeah, I could live without some of the QTE stuff. Uh, but, I mean, I wouldn't say it's annoying because you don't do it constantly so and you don't have to do it in many cases so Mm -hmm. you know it's fun uh bill number two number two uh mentioned it briefly before uh shadow of the colossus uh this is a uh uh man this is this is a such a unique and such a great game Uh, anyone who's uh uh, you know familiar with the uh the playcast uh uh they were nice enough to uh let me on to talk ad nauseum about uh, shadow of the colossus um this came out when i was living in florida and i had been out of the game like i kind of go through phases so i've been out of the gaming scene for a little while and i walked into a GameStop, and they had this demo cd like you know running on uh, on a tv and i just stood there and watched it for a minute and i you know i thought like is this a cut scene like what's going on and it was just a guy riding a horse and he kept riding and he had a sword and he and i'm like like what's happened? Like, there's no, there's no enemies. Like what's, what's even going on? And I didn't see. So like, what is that? So oh, it's Shadow of the Colossus. So what do you do? So that, that's what you do. It's a enormous empty world that you have to figure out what you're doing in, and then you fight these like enormous beasts, and they're the only enemies in the game. 
and it was like one of the only like you know shut up and take my money uh, events like in my life like that that's I mean it just sounded so different and so uh, you know and so interesting so uh, yeah Shadow of the Colossus uh, Team Eco um, released on PlayStation Two. And then now it's more widely available on the PlayStation 3 uh, uh, HD remaster. Um, it is, it's, I mean, we, we've, we've, we've talked about it. It's, you know, there's, there's 16 beasts, enormous uh, colossi that inhabit this world that you're, uh, uh, that you're in. The, the story is very loosely laid out for you. Basically, you're trying to save the life of this woman in this temple. Uh, uh, it has something to do with these colossi. There's like this kind of like big, like godly, like overhead voice who's telling you, okay, this is what you have to do in order to, you know, uh, you don't know if you're trying to redeem yourself, redeem somebody else. Uh, uh, it's everything's very like abstract and loosely kind of laid out for you. Um, it's just a very, very, very cool, uh, you know, world building, uh, uh, you know, experience that, uh, is just so unique and so great. I mean, like if it weren't for games like Shadow of the Colossus, no one would be excited about Last Guardian, even though the art's cool and like the world's cool and the creatures are cool. Being that it's coming from the uh, people who made Shadow of the Colossus, it just gives you like that extra chill about uh, uh, about how special it's going to be. So, uh, you know, trying to limit the spoilers too with uh, what we're talking about here. So, uh, um, I think everyone on this call here has played it, and I don't know anybody who's played it who hasn't said that they loved it. I haven't played it. Play it. Oh, I thought you played in the playcast. No. Oh. Actually, it's like Dark Souls. I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't play it for the playcast because I had played it um, only like a, maybe even a year before it was selected as a uh, playthrough. And I wish mm-hmm. I could have been on the call with you guys, but I, I, I just ended up not playing it that month. But I, I did have right. a really cool experience playing that game because I was playing it and loving it and i just got stuck on one of them i forget which you know colossus it was but i was talking to a friend of mine and i was like yeah this game is really cool but i just can't beat this one and she was like okay uh i'm i'm gonna come over and beat it for you because you have to finish this game (laughs) and i was like okay so like she came over played through the one i was stuck on and i just continued the game and ended up finishing it and it was you know, it is exactly like you said. It's an amazing experience. Right. So, good choice, man. I, one that I get stuck on towards that my favorite one is the dragon flying uh, like uh, over the desert. Um, but the one that I get stuck on is the I think the fifteenth, where like you have to like when he stomps down and you have to then like be on like the little concrete thing that raises up and then you have to hit the back of his hand. That like they got more complicated as you went on, but oh, yeah, but, yeah sh- shadow shadows, unbelievable. And Chris, if you want me to mail you my copy, you can borrow it. <laughs> um, I appreciate the offer. <laughs> <laughs> Not dark soulsy enough. <laughs> I tell you, you, you play all the way through dark souls. Maybe we'll talk at that point. Oh, that's not, even, that's yeah, not yeah. even a deal. <laughs> that's a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I did enjoy. I listened to the Playcast episode. I I enjoyed listening to that, and it sounds interesting. Um, I do remember playing like uh, a little bit of this when it first came out, and I don't know why it didn't hook me. But I was kind of like, oh, it's really empty, and there's this big thing, and I tried a few times to kill it, and I was like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> so um, maybe like I would you, maybe I'd like feel you, differently. At like you point. with your PlayStation Underground discs, that's where I uh, first uh, heard about this game was on a PlayStation Underground disc. I just didn't play it. 
I think I, I did it, play like, a demo from yeah. that or something like that. I was just not at the time. I was kind of like, I don't get it, but right. maybe I just maybe I just missed out. You just needed some to gain some maturity. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what it was. All right, so that that's my two. We're down to number one. Oh, down to number Sean, one. This is man. so awesome. Okay, <laughs> I I hope Krabby is listening. Krabby, this goes out to you. My <laughs> number one game, the best game on the PlayStation Two. Oh, uh, and one of my favorite games of all time, maybe in my top three of all time, just favorite games in general, is Shin Megami Tensei uh-oh. Persona <laughs> Three. Not four, Krabby. It's three. Wait, wait, wait. Is that just three or FES? Uh, you could take either one. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna say, like, Fess is like the deluxe edition of Persona Three. Yeah. If you grab per- Persona Three at a garage sale, play it. If you if you grab <laughs> Fez at a garage sale, play it. Persona okay. Three. Oh my God! What an amazing game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I jumped into this game when I was kind of new to RPGs, uh, which was not that long ago. And I had never played a Shimagami Tensei game, of course. I've never played like an anime-ish kind of game. And I just popped it in and I got sucked in. I ended up playing just, I played 120 hours this game. The, the final <laughs> boss battle took like three hours. It's just, it's amazing. So you play as this high school student who is... Uh, he's a transfer student to a new high school. He meets these people, the, the friends who are part of the C's. Uh, they're just a C's is like an investigative, um, group that's trying to investigate paranormal activity. And I don't want to get, you know what? It's crazy if you get into the story. It's ridiculous. I don't even want to get too much into it, but I will just say that it blends dungeon crawling. RPG like turn-based RPG gameplay with something that I had never experienced before, which is um, dating sim mechanics with your your what are called social links. And basically, you have these role-playing um, elements in your when you're in high school that you can join the swim team or whatever, and you just form these bonds with people that strengthen what what are called persona which you use in battle when you're playing the dungeon crawl and your social links in the daytime strengthen your rpg mechanics in in the nighttime and it is so much more complicated than that but i don't want to go crazy and just confuse people and you know crabby's gonna know what i'm talking about i know he likes persona four more than he likes three but i know he's gonna appreciate what i'm saying here um, just the characters. I was so in love with all the characters. I had Yukari and Mitsuru, uh, for people who know those are the two like main female characters in the game. I had them on my desktop wallpaper at work for like two years. <laughs> and, like, it's just one of those games where you just fall in love with all the characters and there one of the characters is a dog with a knife in its mouth and my wife and i have a joke that any game that has a dog with a with a knife in its mouth is like 10 out of 10 game of the year and this was like <laughs> one of the first ones that i played that had that and it just has a heartfelt story 
just an amazing, like I could just gush about it all night. You guys are going to have to stop me here. But Persona 3, whether you play the vanilla version or the Fez version, best game on the PlayStation 2. Wow. So, so, so let me ask you, and I know it's going to be impossible to answer this as a person who is into anime. Mm-hmm. Is it possible for a person who is not interested in anime to enjoy this game? Or is there too much anime in there to, to get around it? So I'm going to say me being hardcore into anime, which I am now, is a relatively recent development and i played persona 3 before i was hardcore into anime so i'm gonna say yes and i can say that you know confidently uh because it wasn't like oh i'm into anime i want to play an anime style game it wasn't like that at all it was more just mm-hmm. oh role-playing games are neat i want to play a cool role-playing game on the playstation 2 and i ended up just getting my hands on on persona 3 so yeah, don't let the anime, you know, aspect of it turn you off. It's right. it's uh, it's just an aesthetic, really. You know what I mean? It's just an art right. style is anime esque. So yeah, definitely you can check it out even if you're not into anime. And being unfamiliar with the series, I just did a little price charting while you were talking there. These are not expensive games. No, Persona 3 and 4 are still out there, widely available, very cheap. The The older ones on the PS1 are kind of rare and expensive and collectible, but they're not, from what I understand, they're not as good of games. And also, both of the Persona 3 and Persona 4 are on the PlayStation Network as PS2 classics, and I believe they're both $10, mm. which is an absolute steal for both of the games. So, yeah, definitely, like, you have, everybody has, like, easy access to these games if, if you want to check them out, and you should. And, oh, I, I the one thing I got to mention is the soundtrack. Like, Shoji Maguro, who is the composer for all the Persona games, he is... He is the one of the best video game composers, but he's also just one of the most amazing songwriters I know. Like his music, I have it on my iPod. I listen to it all the time. It, it gives me nostalgia for when I was playing the game, but it's also just amazing music. So the soundtrack is also a huge part of what makes a game amazing. And like I was talking about with Disaster Report, like there's a new game coming out. Of course, everybody knows Persona 5. We had a question earlier about what are your most anticipated games of 2016. Like if Persona 5 comes out in 2016, I like totally forgot about it. Like that is without a doubt, like far and away, like a huge (laughs) anticipation for me. Like can't wait to get my hands on that. It's going to be amazing. So yeah, I remember seeing uh, yeah, I remember seeing that on Krabby. Krabby started a thread on RF Gen. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it was, it was called something like you know, 2016 is the best year or something like that. And it was just a thread all about like Persona Five, Persona Five, <laughs> and uh, yeah, right. But yeah, like I know Krabby would say four is better, and I played four. I I loved it, but three by a freaking grand canyon size margin <laughs> is better than four so that's that's the final word and he's not on here to argue with me so he's yeah. not <laughs> well the crabby if you disagree just go ahead and speak up right now <laughs> no yeah, no, he's, no he's cool he's cool with it nice <laughs> somewhere he's in his car yelling right now um, <laughs> we love and miss you crabby Cool. So, Chris, ever any Persona for you? Um, I have both 
copies of that game, the both oh, nice. editions. Um, I've not beat it. I've I haven't played a lot of it to be honest. Um, so maybe one of these days I would like to. Um, I've got them. Like I said, it's just um, kind of one of those things where you just you get busy doing something else and yeah. just never get back to it. Yeah, I'll have to keep them on my radar now. I didn't realize. Like I know I knew Krabby had you know uh, you know strong feelings for the game, but I didn't know it was. Uh, you know the epidemic was uh, so so far spread, so I'll have to keep an eye on it for it now. There cool. you go. So down to me, number one. Down to you, number <laughs> one. Golly, um, you know I, I'm gonna make this really easy, and it's not gonna be any surprise to anybody. And we've already talked about it. It's Final Fantasy XII. Um, yep. I've already talked a lot about the systems that are there, but like the license board thing that you use to kind of choose different skills. It really allows you to early on um, specialize characters in certain ways, but later on turn them into just ridiculously overpowered, super, you know, awesome characters. I mean, once you open everything up, you're just, you can do anything, but it's fun. And I heard that they did a, a, a later version in Japan that rearranged the system to make it much more where you had to kind of target your characters towards certain like jobs or professions, but. I'd love it, you know, if they redo it, I'd whatever it takes, it's fine. I mean, it was just fun to play. And I like that there was even some really tough challenges. They had these special, like, uh, board that you would go to to get, like, these, um, <clears throat> like, these missions to go hunt down these really terrible creatures. And uh, one, like, the hardest one was, I mean, it would take you, like, an hour and a half or something to beat this thing. And you had to have your gambits perfectly built to even have a chance or the thing would wipe you out in about two seconds flat so Hmm. you know how like the final fantasy games will have those you know like ultimate weapon kind of bosses in them that you just have to be at the complete top of your game to be able to stand a chance um this one had its as well so you know i did it i beat that I, i did everything that you could do um i just really Again, I you know I like game mechanics. That's a big thing for me. Is is have fun mechanics that I really get into, and that game did. So you know, is the story the most awesome thing in the universe? No, I mean I, I enjoyed it though. Uh, were the characters compelling? Yeah, most for the most part. Uh, but again, the game mechanics were great, just deep, uh, and I loved it. So that's my number. Awesome. That's my number one. Awesome. Yeah, no, I had a feeling it might be up there. I thought you might throw a curve, but uh, yeah, I, I got no problems with the uh, 12 being up there. Um, I do want to throw in one, my little, my, my one gripe with the game. Not really a gripe, but just like, yeah, it kind of is. Um, <laughs> so there's a treasure chest in this game. Mm-hmm. There is nothing remarkable about this treasure chest. It's just sitting in a place uh, just like any other treasure chest. There's no warning signs around it. It's just like any other. <laughs> if you open this treasure chest, of which there is no feasible warning, yeah. you cannot obtain the ultimate weapon for this one is, of the main characters in the game. This is true. This is Why true. Why in anyone's name <laughs> i would you possibly think that this is a good idea to put into your game i have i've heard about this if i ever play this game how will i know because i don't want to do you this you won't free to walk through <laughs> yeah. print yeah print, print, print out and google print out the which walk chest don't which chest not yep. to open here here's the thing print out though the walk through go uh, have your wife read it while you're playing it <laughs> exactly and <you'll> be fine <laughs> you don't need the ultimate weapons in that game 
You don't, but like what typically, not typically, but like what are a lot of RPG players? Like what would you yes, categorize them as? Yes, I know. Like they want that's, OCD, super completionists. they want. Yeah. And, and, and God help them if they were achievements back then. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, obtain every ultimate weapon. No. <laughs> no. I don't know. Yeah. I would think if they re- remade the game, they should probably change that. Uh, it was yeah. not a, it's not a fair system. And, you know, there were tricks in that game, too. I mean, there was a way, place where you had infinitely respawning enemies. And if you set your gambits up right, your characters would just auto level themselves up to a 99. Yeah. I think I tried doing that, but I also, like, you also needed to make sure you were moving, like, in a circle, so you had to, like, set, like, a rubber band between your analogs, like, just right or something. Like, I never figured out how to do it, but uh, I am all for <laughs> walk away and level up. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to say it's a perfect game. I'm just trying to say, to me, yeah. I loved it, and to me, that was the top game I played on PlayStation 2. Great. I've, I, I will not uh, uh, veto it. <laughs> that's good that's good so I'll, i'm gonna i'm gonna guess i know what your number one is but i'm gonna let you spill the beans oh yeah we are we're, we're two for three with final fantasies in the uh, uh in the top spot uh-huh. it's, it's gonna be final fantasy 10 of course the <laughs> best final fantasy game on the playstation oh. 2 <laughs> even with waka even with waka even with waka even with Waka, and I gotta tell you, so I've played through Final Fantasy. I don't play through, you know, hundred hour plus RPGs more than once. Like I just don't do it. Like games that I play over and over again, they're like short ish. I might put hundred plus hours into them, but I won't put a hundred hours into them twice. Uh, I have done that with Final Fantasy X. Uh, I played it uh, twice on the PlayStation Two, and then I played it again uh, uh, on the Vita uh, and the uh, uh, the crossplay Vita. Um, ps2 version when that came out as well wow um it's uh you know it's it's just one of those games that clicks with me uh the world the music uh the characters um i will say that uh a lot of the voice acting is uh uh you know there's a lot of melodrama there's a lot of overacting which is you know fairly common in uh you know especially localized uh, uh jrpgs um, I got no problems with it though. Like when, when you look through to the heart of the game and like, you know, what the intent is, uh, when you find out, you know, kind of some of the, some of the, the, the plot twists, some of like, oh, that's what's actually going on. Or, oh, this person knows that they were, you know, going to be giving up their life. So they're saying goodbye to every single area that they're going to. And like, just like, I, it, it's similar to Kingdom Hearts uh, too. Like the story just kind of struck me. And, uh, on top of that, uh, just, you know, being a really, really big, you know, I don't know what you call us, because uh, there are Final Fantasy fans that are Final Fantasy fans from, like, the Nintendo and Super Nintendo, and then there was, like, that second, third generation of fans that, like, came in at Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. So for for a fan that came in at Final Fantasy VII, uh, I was very much a fan of VII. Um, a lot of people at the time didn't like it, but at the time, I was very much a fan of VIII. We, we I call know those crap. people ignorant. Oh. Yeah, we call them wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wrong. Um, I know it's Krabby's favorite, and I know and my friend Courtney, it's her favorite. Um, Final Fantasy IX didn't click with me, uh, so I was kind of like at a great point in my Final Fantasy career to like you know have something kind of like knock my socks off, and Ten did exactly that. Uh, the turn-based uh, combat system, the sphere grid, uh, the uh, like the story, the 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 
the, it was kind of it was a little bit linear, but like there was still some exploration, especially once you kind of got like to the airship and everything. Um, and for all, and just like you said, like you know about twelve, like is it perfect? No. Like is it you know like uh, the best thing ever? Like no. It's 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 my favorite uh, Final Fantasy game. Um, and uh, like you know, there's there's things I can point out about it. Like I think the uh, the intro is interesting, but then like you get kind of marooned on this island and then it takes you like three hours to kind of like get to the game. Like it's got a bad beginning, you know, like when you, when you factor that in, it's got, uh, you know, uh, it's got some pacing problems, I guess you could say in the beginning, but once you kind of get to like the mid game, uh, and you kind of have a, a feel for the story and you can go and do whatever you want. Like, uh, th- uh, the game opens up in such a great way and, uh, it's, it's easily my favorite final fantasy, which, kind of took me a while to realize that because like seven's the sacred cow right like like at least for us like middle generation guys so it's like how can you say seven's not the best and it's kind of like people not saying ocarina is the best zelda it's like well how can you not say that everyone says that but without with with zelda it's more like there's way more you know linked to the past people uh than you know than you would think but uh but yeah i mean i could go on about final fantasy 10 but um that's the fave that's my top and i'd Love to play it again. I got it on my little uh, PS Vita. Me and my uh, Final Fantasy machine. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I I I knew. I mean, having talked to you forever, <laughs> I knew what, what yeah. your top was going to be on the system. But uh, would you recommend, yeah. Bill? Do you think for someone like I've never played it, and I would love to. Do you think I would be better off popping in my PlayStation Coot, my PlayStation Two copy into my PlayStation Two, or playing it on the Vita for the as a first time player? Uh, the the reason why I wouldn't recommend playing it on Vita for the first time player, at least you know because of my own gaming habits on the Vita, I find that I don't play the Vita with volume on, and I don't play a lot of mobile games with volume on. Like if I'm playing a game on my phone. Uh, which I don't really do anymore, but like, you know, whether it's like, you know, Tiny Tower or like, you know, Angry Birds, or like whatever you play, I tend to feel like the audio is like just slightly obnoxious. And like, whether I'm like, you know, a passenger in a car or like on a plane, like I'm not really a big headphone guy. So like, I find that I normally just, okay, I'm just going to turn the music off and I'll just like play the game. Hmm. So that's the only reason why. And, and, you know, so if your habits don't follow mine, by all means, play it on mobile. Um, but, uh, I, I find that the, uh, the audio, uh, adds so much to the experience with the music and it's the first Final Fantasy with, uh, with voice acting in it. Everything prior to that was just, uh, just text. Um, but, uh, and, and the other thing that I, I feel like, you know, just the smaller screen kind of takes away from like the scale of some of the environments that you see uh, a little bit, but, uh, that could just be me being, you know, picky about, uh, you know, my, you know, being protective of my favorite game and wanting it on a great big screen with nice, great big speakers on it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I originally played it on PS2, obviously. Um, I played it on PS3 and I played it on Vita. And the Vita, I really, you know, it's not a bad experience at all. It actually looks uh, really great, even though the resolution is, uh, you know, they've, they've cut some of the textures and things down on the Vita version. Um, I would hesitate to recommend someone playing it for the first time on Vita because I, I don't feel like it's the you know, the definitive experience. I, th- I think PS2, you'd be totally fine. Uh, PS3, you'd also be fine. Um, you might, and with people who have never played anything on the PS2, like maybe some of the younger crowd, I feel like the PS3 might be the best way for them to play it because uh, a lot, I, f- I find sometimes a younger uh, generation, they get turned off by some of the muddy graphics and the older, you know, the visual styles, even though I still think the original PS2 version looks uh, incredibly beautiful. 
Awesome. Would maybe the PlayStation TV be the middle ground there for the Vita version? What's the PlayStation TV? (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. It's going to be in the same graveyard as PlayStation VR. I know. So, oh, so you're saying say there's that. not going to be a a PlayStation TV uh, collector cast episode in 30 years? <laughs> uh, yeah, will it be short? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's. I mean, like I'm I'm not lamenting the death of the Vita because it's it certainly is on its way out. But uh, I, I just you know like any other you know system that doesn't do well, you just really wish it was managed better. You know, yeah. like you you wish like uh, you're like. Hey, wouldn't it have been great if there were more cross, you know, play games, uh, more cross buy games? Um, like, there's no reason in the world why Final Fantasy X, X2 was a cross uh, play game, and the Kingdom Hearts uh, collections are not cross play. Like, they weren't even released for Vita. It's like, why can't you just release that for Vita? It's like, well, then we'd have to pay another, you know, team for the port. It's like, yeah, so what? You're still getting your money for the one you made, and they'll get a cut of the port that they made. Plus, you get more money, and we get to play it on. But like, what is the problem? You know, so <laughs> there's 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 just no reason when you own a system, you're like, come on, guys, take care of my system here. But so my PlayStation Vita becomes the place where Final Fantasy X and X2 happens, and then I put my uh, uh, PSN copies of Final Fantasy VII and VIII on there. So it's just my little Final. F- and I'm sorry, and six because I have the uh, the Final Ew. Fantasy VI, uh, the, which is the pretty much the PlayStation anthology version, right? Ew. Yeah, that's I have that on there too. That's not good. It's, there's nothing wrong. It's the <laughs> no, same thing. It's, it's just not good. yeah, same game. It's not good. <laughs> so you don't like Final Fantasy VI? Oh, I love Final Fantasy VI. I just don't well, like then, that version. Well, there's nothing wrong. There, you oh get yes, to, there is. If you're playing it on disc, I'm with you. But I'm no. playing a downloaded version. No. So play the original. All you have to do is ignore a couple of bad CG cutscenes, and also and really, like that's it. the weird looping soundtrack and the not right mode seven and the yeah no. It's There's not, nothing wrong with my mode seven. It's not right. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> well, until uh, until uh, uh, ColecoVision Chameleon <laughs> comes out with a uh, way to duct tape a SNES Junior into a uh, it's like uh, the handheld. It's like those people that build the reproduction, like Ferraris or whatever, and you're like, "That's not a real Ferrari, but it looks not, just like a Ferrari." That's not a DeLorean. So, so let me ask you: Would you be okay with me playing the Game Boy Advance version of Final Fantasy VI? Nope. Why not? Because it's not as good. It, seriously, I mean, this is not up for debate. It isn't as good. So I have to play it on a Super Nintendo. Yes. If you want, if you want the definitive version, look, it's the same thing that you just told him, right? If you want to play the definitive version of Final Fantasy X, play the PlayStation Two game. I'm telling you, if you want to play the definitive version of Final Fantasy VI, play the Super Nintendo version. That's fair. No questions I asked. Think that's okay. fair. Yeah. All right. Um, are I, the other I, ones I'll, okay? Yeah, they're just not as good. All right, I'll allow it. <laughs> I'm gonna use your logic against you. But but I but I gave people permission to play all of them. You're saying no. <laughs> look, you, you know, you you could look at you know uh, a a cheap photocopy of the Mona Lisa, or you could look at the Mona Lisa, right? Or you could look at a nice piece of art. Nah. Oh, the... burn Mona Lisa. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> She has had it coming for so long. <laughs> now we're going to get hate mail. 
The Mona Lisa. <laughs> from, from, from the the cast hates the Mona Lisa. <laughs> That's right. It's gonna be all over social media. Hey, if it gets me those hits, I don't care. Wild Bill, everyone. It says. <laughs> Well, wow, I think that kind of wraps up our PlayStation 2 Super Spectacular Game-O-Rama. Man, everyone listening has so many games to go play. Oh my god, this is awesome. Uh, (laughs) No, this was an amazing conversation. I can't believe everything we talked about. We forgot a few. There's uh, Mad Maestro, Mr. Mosquito, Shadow Hearts, The Red Star, The Dot Hack Series, Rule of Rose, Kulan, Blood Will Tell, and Jaws Unleashed. And I also want to mention, I, I wrote... Jaws a- Unleashed. <laughs> Jaws Unleashed. That's kind of a joke. Nice. Wink, wink to my <laughs> wife and to also Single, single Banana and the Playcast crew. Um, uh-huh. The Logitech Cordless Action Controller Model GX2D11. I'm just going to say this is the one I own. Maybe there's better ones out there. But if you want to play PlayStation 2 with a cordless controller that is absolutely as good as any modern, like the PS3 cordless controller, Xbox 360, and so on, that's the one you want to get. It's an awesome controller. So I just want to throw that out there. I had that in my notes. So No, the answer is the Dragon Quest VIII slime controller. That's the one I, you want to use. Have, I'll take one of those, but is that cordless? No. No. But okay. uh, I was just making <laughs> I was just joking. <laughs> that thing is terrible yeah, and, to use. It's terrible. But, but that, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, we've talked for seven hours, and like we haven't even talked about like you know peripherals, really. This is mainly a game conversation. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't uh, mention Dragon Quest Eight. No. Which is great. I never played it. Uh, yeah. I, I actually purchased Dragon Quest. I can't remember what number it was. Eight the only. How many were on? Eight PS2? was the only PS2 one. Yeah. Okay, so it was that one, and and that came with a Final Fantasy demo. Yep. Yeah. Um. Um. Which is the reason that you know I was like, okay, well, I'll have the demo plus I'll get to play this other Square game, and like I just remember like little blue jelly blobs, uh, early in the game, and like it just the Those art are style slimes. didn't click with me. Yes. Those are slimes. Yes. I'm sorry. Have you I, never I, played it, a Dragon <laughs> Quest game? <laughs> no, I never have. Oh my goodness. Do it. No. I mean Yeah. Are they good? Yeah. Are they as good as Persona 3? No. Okay. Uh... Then I'll then I'll play Persona 3. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get into Persona now. Krabby's <laughs> gonna be like, oh, all I had to tell you was just to go play Persona and you would have played it. Like, yeah, that's that's all it takes. Yeah, man. What strikes me as even stranger is that we're gonna have this conversation be done and think we've hit some stuff. And then people are going to come up with their top fives, and it's going to be nothing that we talked about. There's but that that's many what's games. So yeah, it's awesome. incredible. Exactly. We've talked about yeah. that's what's so hun- great almost about 100 it. games, I bet you, have been mentioned yeah. easily in this yeah. discussion. And we haven't even scratched and, and, the surface. And, yeah. And somebody's going to be like, oh, you forgot about these 17 games. And they're all good. And they're right. And they're right. Right. Like, there are 17 more great games, you know? So. It's this. Uh, I'd be curious to see if, uh, uh, if uh, you know, the threads blow up with like, oh, you forgot to mention Jaws Unleashed two, or <laughs> you know, like whatever, whatever comes out from that. It'd be interesting to see. Well, we didn't mention. I mean, like, I'm just thinking quick, like Zone of the Enders. We didn't mention any of that. We didn't right. mention Odin Sphere. We didn't mention. Yeah. I mean, we didn't mention Raiden three. We could anyway. We'll have to stop because right. we could go on. Forever. I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna like make up the name of the game, <laughs> and. You no probably would have batted the right one. No one would have batted an eye. I've been like, oh yeah, totally. Like Titans Oracle Five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's definitely a thing. 
Uh, well, I'll be really so curious great. to hear from our listeners what their top five PlayStation 2 games were and, and, and how right or Definitely. wrong we are in our picks and what we totally forgot and we should feel ashamed about. Um, so be sure to, to hit us up and let us know. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the RF Generation Collector Cast. I would like to thank, as always, my co-host, Bill. Thanks for being here, Bill. Absolutely. Glad to stay up late and uh, chat games with you guys. And uh, to Sean, thanks for spending some time with us talking about PlayStation 2. Yeah, guys, like I said, this was an absolute honor like to be on this show with you. And not only that, but to be talking about the PlayStation 2, it has been incredible. What an amazing conversation. I'm so honored to be on the air with both of you. And <laughs> uh, people are going to people are after a while going to think we made you no, say this. I mean that sincerely. <laughs> I, I mean that sincerely from the bottom of my heart. I'm, I'm not joking. Um, if I could just plug again the playcast, check us yeah, out yeah. on rfgeneration.com. Go to the community playthroughs uh, subforum. Check out uh, the play the RF Generation playcast on Podbean. We're at RFG Playcast on Twitter. I am at Mr. Sean Gray on Twitter. Go follow me. Follow us. Check out check out the playcast. And uh, thanks. I, I can't thank you all enough for having me on here. Yeah, and spell out your Twitter handle if people want to follow you, because you can spell Gray several ways. Yeah, so... And Sean several ways. Yes, sir. So it's at M-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-A-Y. So that's at Mr. Sean Gray. And again, the the Playcast is at R-F-G Playcast. Yeah, so if you like uh, if you like what you heard, you go check out their podcast. They do good stuff. Join the playthroughs and um, and give a follow to Sean, because he's, um, he's got a lot of a lot of heart for for PlayStation and uh, some always some interesting opinions about things. So uh, really glad to have you on board. Uh, people know where to find us, but uh, real quick, Bill, if somebody wants to get a hold of us, how can they do that? Uh, you jump on Facebook, on that Facebook or Twitter jam, and uh, you'll find uh, Duke, and he will uh, yell at us uh, to uh, answer you. <laughs> Uh, you hop on Facebook occasionally, Bill. So it's, I do, well. I do. I I I go in. Like everything, I go in phases, right? So I'll see people eventually. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, of course, as always, you can find us in most of the usual places. So YouTube, iTunes, uh, Podomatic. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher. So, Podcast you know, Pickle. wherever you want to. No, it's dead. <laughs> Podcast Pickle is dead. Zune. No. You wish. I don't even know you if Zune wish, works anymore. <laughs> Uh, I need to eventually get us on the Google Play Store. I, I, I keep forgetting about that one. But uh, anyway, yeah, you know where to find us. Obviously, you're already listening to this. Uh, or if somehow you're trapped in a friend's car and you're forced to listen to this, I apologize. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for taking the time to listen, and we will catch you next time.